Hey everybody, this is Sarah, aka Story Shark 2005. Welcome to episode 9 of Talkin' Fanfic. I'm going to try and keep this intro short because our episode is about two and a half hours long. Um, today's episode is with Libertine Past, somebody that you guys know I've been wanting to talk to for a long time, ever since I started this podcast. She's hilarious. She's one of my favorite writers. Um, and honestly, it's about two and a half hours of giggling. Um, so you're gonna love it. It's a great, it's a great time. Um, but just some fandom, uh, notes here. Uh, I think everybody is feeling the influx of just new people, new fic, lots going on right now. Um, it's Sunday nights, um, and I'm looking at the AO3 page right now. We have 418 works in the Cobra Kai fandom. Um, and I was doing some looking back on the Discord. As far as I can tell, doing some search shenanigans, it looks like if you rewind, we reached 200 works, so half this amount, in June of 2019 or thereabouts. It took us a year to get to 300. If that's if anyone wants to try and double check that, but the messages I can see when we were talking about that, it was about June of 2020, uh, just a few months ago when we, when we reached 300. And now we're just this week we got to, uh, or last week we got to 400. Um, so, so that took us about three months versus a year. Um, if you plot that out on a graph, that's what you call exponential growth, guys. So well done, everybody that's been uh, producing fan fiction. You guys are awesome. Um, and it's not just stuff. It's good stuff that we're seeing. So uh, well done, everybody. Um, also, just a couple of new people in the quiver. Um, again, we call it the quiver. It's just it's not exclusive. It's just the Discord community that we have for writers and readers and fan artists. So if you need a link, let me know. Um, but uh, the past couple of weeks, we got Cobra Shy. Uh, she's a fan artist, and uh, her fan comics and art has been all over Tumblr. We've been sharing them. She made an awesome comic from a scene out of my big work, uh, No Mercy for the Midlife Crisis. And she's done just all kinds of stuff, La Russo-centric usually. So welcome, Cobra Shy. And Angelina, I was chatting with on Tumblr. Um, she kind of comes from more of like a DC Comics, Batman, Bat Family, like Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Under the Redhead kind of stuff, uh, which I was excited about uh, because I've been into DC Comics with Superman and Smallville lately. But she reached out to me to talk about La Russo and was awesome. And so I was like, you got to join the Discord. So Angelina, welcome to the Quiver. I think she's thinking about trying her hand at some uh, some fan fiction, some Cobra Kai fanfic as well. So um, say hello to her if you see her around. Yeah, so that's all super exciting. I also just want to say to new people listening, if you're looking for just more community or mainstream community that's not necessarily about fan fiction, the Cobra Kai Companion podcast, which you should subscribe and listen to, that's Cobra Kai Companion, Companion with a K, so Peter and Brianna have a podcast that you should listen to. They interview the cast members. They interview uh, – recently they had a writer on uh, for the show. So fan fiction people, you should listen to that. 
But there's also a Facebook group, which is just fostering community and excitement about Cobra Kai. And the great thing about the CKK Facebook group is that um, people are on great behavior because everybody loves the show and loves the podcast, Cobra Kai Companion. So it's a great group to be in. And honestly, there's there's just all kinds of action there happening. Peter works extremely hard, as well as Brianna working really hard at producing a great podcast, but also just engaging the fandom. They have a rapport with the creators, uh, the big three. So that's kind of where the action's at. So that is found if you go to Facebook. And it's not a page, it's a group. So if you go up to the search bar, it's spelled www space P-E-R-I-O-D space Cobra Kai. And actually, that's all you need to type in. It's a, it's a, it's a long name. It's www period Cobra Kai period C-O-M slash companion podcast. Uh, but just type in a little bit of that and it'll come right up. There's about a thousand members in the group. Oh my God, you guys, this is the one you want to be in. <laughs> There's just less bullshit to be completely honest. And they've got a really active community over there of content creators as well as just cool people. Golly, I think that's the main stuff I wanted to hit. Um, Just, and I also just wanted to say, this will probably be the last interview I do for a while. I need to get back to writing myself and just catch up on reading. Honestly, there's so much to read and I'm behind. Um, But throughout this kind of off season until season three, I'll probably do an episode here and there uh, just on topics and just me um, fuck, this is a long introduction. Um, but just a heads up. So contact me if you're interested in an interview, but it may wait until season three starts up or I just kind of schedule out a season two of this podcast. So, um, yeah, I just need to catch up and I also want to structure these interviews better. I introduced at the end of this one, kind of a, uh, was supposed to be a quicker Q&A format, but we, Libby and I, go off on all kinds of tangents, but um, just structured a little better so it's more fun to listen to and the pacing's better and and I have better questions. So I'm going to use this off time to make a better podcast. Oh, also, um, I just wanted to say uh, today, September 27th, uh, it's been one year exactly since we lost Rob Garrison who played Tommy, both in Karate Kid and Cobra Kai Season 2. So um, I never had the pleasure to meet Rob, but you hear nothing but good things about that guy. So um, be thinking about Rob this week and his family and friends. And you know uh, Billy and Ron and Tony um, and Chad McQueen, I'm sure we're all still close to Rob and loved him. So um what a lucky thing it is that us fans got to witness his last great performance in Cobra Kai season two. His turn as Tommy was uh, a really beautiful, poignant uh, performance, even if it was short. That scene with him and Billy around the campfire, you know, who's going to forget that? And the bar brawl, that was so much fun, I'm sure, for him. And, um, you know, even, uh, I think in his, I think I've heard him say that even, um, like Ralph showed up for, to just to be on set during that campfire scene so that he could see Rob perform. Cause he, you know, he was just being a good, cool cast mate like that. But, 
Um, I'm sure he feels so lucky that he decided to do that. So, um, yeah, everybody think about Rob today. Okay, let's get into it with Libertine Past. And also check out the show notes. There's all kinds of funny shit that we mentioned in the show notes. And I always make sure to put that there. So there's funny videos and Tumblr posts and all that shit. So um, without further ado, uh, get a cocktail and join in on the fun and um, enjoy my conversation with Libertine Past. This is so awesome. Oh, did you do the Your La Russa shirt? I do. Yep. And I got my little friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we have all the same things. They so make now, me so happy. They I really love, do. I don't know why cartoon dolls make me as happy as, as these two do. They're always like, what? <laughs> they're always small. But They're so ridiculous. They have to kind of nuzzle and then they can... They're li- <laughs> Up. <laughs> their little like square cheeks are so cute i just oh my god so awesome well thanks for coming on today oh thank you i was you know the calendar is so empty right now there's just really nothing to look forward to so Ugh. yeah i hate i i'm so ready to get back to normal world because it's just i mean not too much has changed in my world like i don't know like i don't have kids so I don't have to deal with like the school situation and um and I'm kind of still seeing my family and my parents and they work in hospitals anyway and I don't actually know anyone with the virus or anything but it just the pandemic kind of just feels I don't know sad and Uh, even though you can do more things now you're like should I or uh, I don't know it's it's always never really sure if you should or not certain things but I mean as long as I hate when you do something and then someone like tags you on Facebook in it and it's like I didn't want anyone to know I was going to you know chill or something but that's the weird thing about social media it kind of just like you're never even though we're like not public people it's yeah. like you know you're just always on the end of someone else's camera probably or getting tagged and tracked and it can be so fun but it's strange I know. It's really weird. What are you uh I was gonna pour my drink, which is gonna seem ridiculous. So I didn't make it to the grocery store or the liquor <laughs> store. So I found um I have some Mexican beer, but I also have um apple cider from the grocery store. And there's this thing called a snake bite, which I was like, ah, oh, appropriate for Cobra Kai. Aww. Where you just um you mix apple cider with beer. I think it's like an English pub thing. Which makes – it's just like a bunch of English people, alcoholics, like, <laughs> trying to make a drink out of everything. But I tried it the other night, and I, I liked it. Um, and th- But the last time I had a cocktail at my desk, I spilled it all over my keyboard. So I'm putting it in this, like, water bottle with a lid on it. <laughs> yeah, I just have just the, just the cheap barefoot 
Prutscato wine, basically like a wine cooler in a big bottle. <laughs> yes. I love it. Uh, I'm going to pour my beer on my cider here. Oops. Everyone's getting the sound effects. Oh, I'm spilling. Oh, my God. Well, I, I'm excited to have you on because um, I feel like we were natural internet soulmate friends. <laughs> yes. Just on Tumblr. I remember finding your Tumblr and I was like, who is this Libertine Past with these amazing memes? <laughs> I have to know this person. And uh, even today, I you uh, <laughs> what was the post on Tumblr where the, you had like this ter- <laughs> Teresa May? to do with it at all it was just i don't know i just so i'm like that's the the movement i do if i if i looked up over my menu and i saw that (laughs) oh my god let me i'm just looking on my phone right now because oh it was when um billy and ralph were at the restaurant with the menu and uh it's that before when i saw that i said oh my god what did i miss who were they on a date i'm like oh my god and then it was something from a few years ago like when they pitched the show to them or something and they went to a restaurant that happened to have those drinks yeah that's crazy i i hadn't seen that picture before this year either and yeah it's just so delightful because they each take a picture of the other one over their menus and they just look adorable. So it's that picture of uh, of Rob. You can see Ralph behind Billy's menu. And then the caption is, imagine looking over at your menu at this. And then you have three pictures of the former British Prime Minister, Theresa May, like, bebopping her. You guys have to see this. I'll link it in the show notes. I don't, I don't know. know why. It just made me laugh so much. It just did. It just did. Do you, um, oh my gosh, do you, have you always been, um, someone who like feels plugged into like internet culture or like memes and social media and stuff like that? No, not really. I mean, probably a lot of these things I'm kind of getting on the bandwagon a little late. (laughs) Yeah. I have to urban dictionary things all the time between, you know, tags on AO3 or something. I'm like, yeah, what is that? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, me too. Well, we'll talk about this, but some of the stuff I enjoy so much in your writing is that you pack it full of like these hilarious like pop culture references and um oh, I have my I have your folder, which I put everything in. I love your little printed folders. They're so cool. I love them too. I feel like I should at some point do something like I like I mean, I don't know. I like keeping them on my bookshelf, but Maybe I should like scan them and send them to people. I mean, I don't know. I feel like do I should do something fun for guests. But I wrote down a bunch of the um, pop culture references, and and this is just like a short list. This is like from Foreigner, and then a couple other ones. You mentioned Pat the Bunny, which is a 1940s children's book, I think. Yes, <laughs> that that pops up. Um, there's a reference to Babe, the movie about the talking pig. <laughs> you uh, chapter, yeah, that chapter is a little bit loaded with them because that was my first, you know, foray into La Russo. So I was kind of like, here I am. This oh is my what god, I it's so good. And we'll, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Um, yeah, we'll t- we'll get into that. Um, actually, most of these are from Foreigner because that's where I started. Um, there's a line that Johnny says, wake up, Veruca, <laughs> which oh, is yeah. from Willy Wonka, right? Like Veruca Salt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, child. <laughs> oh, so funny. River Phoenix is a reference. 
<laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff from Star Wars. Actually, uh, a whole chapter. Uh, there's a Die Hard, the Uber Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, th- I thought on that one, and I, I said, oh, it's not a little bit, you know, because when you do those little Johnny um, mishaps or slip-ups or whatever, you're like, yeah, is this a little, oh, we, you know, it's on the e-phone uh, <laughs> right. or something. Like, you don't want to make it too... You can't go too far. You can have some fun. That one has uh Melrose Place comes up, and that one's in one of the Amoosh oh, ones. Oh, Amoosh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, Matt Lauer's desk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this whole podcast oh is going to be us cracking up. I honestly, that was the only way. I'm like, how is Anoush going to get out of this fire? And I honestly had no idea. And then I was like, Matt Lauer <laughs> desk. <laughs> oh my god. We'll get, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I just wanted to list a few there. Um, there's so many. And f- so for anyone, um, <laughs> this is a late introduction. This is Libertine Past, everybody. Um, and you've been writing in the fandom. Um, well, I came in season two, but mm-hmm. you were writing before that. But yeah, uh, Libertine, she writes, uh, whole, she started out writing LaRusso like a lot of us, the pairing between Daniel and Johnny. She also, I am calling the founder of Amouche, the Amanda uh. Anouche <laughs> pairing. Um, and so that's, uh, that is involved in a lot of her work. Um, but yeah, let's just start out with some, some, some history. Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember your like early writing memories? Like when you first got interested in writing? God. Um, I mean, from a really young age, I remember in God's second grade, um, my teacher put all my stories into a binder and she was like, it's Debbie Day. And we're going to, we had, you know, hoodsies and we watched uh, Sleeping Beauty or something. And everybody signed a big card. And uh, it was. <laughs> It was funny because you always said the kid that wrote their name the smallest was like, (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing. So she was showing off all your works to your class. Yeah, it was really weird. And um, this school, it was like it was a very small school and they just didn't care. They're like, if they were going to brag on a student, they really they were just going to do it. And it was kind of embarrassing almost. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because the obviously, you know, they don't do that in school now because it's like you can't be like so like favoritism like that. And it's it's not good, but they didn't care. I mean, back then they were like, you know, this is a major accomplishment. You know, the the stories were so stupid. I mean, there was one it was like a hippo broke its leg. There was like a fanfic about a real kid in the class. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. RPG or whatever. Um, RPF. Oh, RPF. <laughs> yes, real person fiction. I don't know these terms. Yeah. And I mean, from there, oh, you know what? Before I forget, I wanted, to, I was so excited when you mentioned um, Tom Cobb. And Crazy Heart in one of the episodes where comparing Johnny to Bad Blake. Oh, yeah. I was actually one of my professors at Rhode Island College for creative writing, and I loved his class. It was so good. And it was one of those classes where you take the stuff with you forever. And I remember he had told me about something I had written, you know. This is this is funny, but it's funny because it's sad. And I kind of was taken aback and 
I said, whoa, that is like my whole philosophy right there. And that's sort of what I came away with in that class. So, Oh, man, that's such a big thing in your stuff is the create the like mix of uh, funny and sad and sort of jokes and sweetness. And that's awesome. I love that stuff like that, like stuff teachers say or people say to you that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to I, don't, awesome. I just remember a middle school teacher for me was really he just told me I think that he just liked my writing and he kind of took an interest and I had written like an RPF of my teachers as superheroes god I think we did that too like in sixth <laughs> grade we did like the teachers as as ninja turtles it was like Mr. Michelangelo and um <laughs> Yeah, that, I think that's a common thing. This teacher superhero fic. Yeah, I, I felt bad because I made one of the um, I made it awkward. Like I, I made a romantic uh, interest of my like English and history teachers. Like I put them together, <laughs> and they were like, I remember one of them was like, "Oh, why did you put me with Mrs. or something?" And I was like, "Well, she's single and you're single." Like they actually asked me. <laughs> Aww. And then I made um this art teacher I didn't like. I made her the villain. <laughs> her name, <laughs> I shouldn't say her name, but her last name was, <laughs> so I called her just evil <laughs> lady. <laughs> it was like the most <laughs> unoriginal. Oh my um, gosh! So you, sorry to get back to you. So you went to college and took a creative writing class. Yep, I majored in English, and creative writing was the I don't really know if it was the minor or they called it a focus in creative writing or something like that. But yeah, and now. <laughs> I was like coming on 20 years since I graduated college. Oh, don't ah! think about it. Don't think about like, it. 2002. <laughs> so, mm. I, um, I, uh, <laughs> this is not quite the same, but I was getting, uh, as everybody knows from, from the podcast, I was getting re obsessed with Smallville. And I realized that that just started in 2001, which is fucked wow. up. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, I did watch that for a little while. I started watching it in 2008 when my son was a little baby and there's so much like just flopped in front of the, you know, TV time with an infant. And in 2008, they were like in Metropolis by then. And I didn't really know always what was going on, but yeah. I got into it and I was, I was into, um, I guess Lana was some sort of mercenary at the time and, (laughs) and somehow she got, kryptonite implanted in her body and then she couldn't ever see him again oh it was sad (laughs) it was sad that's the thing about that show and we won't stay on it but um it got it like the it's one of those network shows where they're doing 20 plus episodes a season and um they just and they had written lex luther off at the end of season seven so you were probably in season eight and it just, I yeah. mean, it was already pretty Looney Tunes before that, but I think they just <laughs> didn't know what to do without their main villain. And so they, they're they just like, it, it gets real crazy. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, gosh. So you wrote, wrote in college. And then um, what do you remember about like when you discovered fan fiction? Oh, my God. Very similar to Switch, you know, like graduated in 97. It was all, um, you know, going to the little computer lab in college that had the, you know, cable set up where you didn't knock someone off when you picked up the phone. So I spent a lot of time there on the Internet. And I think, God, like 98, that's probably when I saw my first fic. And it was a Gambit Rogue fic, which, of course, awesome. I, 
that, that ship really appeals to teenagers because it's like <laughs> you can't touch her and you know there are other ways of making love and you know <laughs> my 18 year old self was like yes there are and I'm <laughs> I loved Gambit Rogue, and um, I don't think it. I was trying to rack my brain, and I don't think we did like portmanteau ship names at that time. Oh yeah, because I can't remember any. Like even from my old soap fandom, we just said the two people's names. We just said Gabby and Antonio or Ricardo and whoever. And I don't remember combining their names really. I'm trying to think of the first but, ship I remember that used like a portmanteau. I don't I remember um you know in supernatural uh hearing the term wincest and I was like is that exactly what it sounds like and indeed it was <laughs> but I'm trying to remember like my first fandom was maybe like Star Wars but uh yeah I don't know I think I think that was a later thing the manto the portmanteau thing but anyway but the um, the Gambit Rogue fic, I mean, I'm talking, like, I had seen other fanfics. I had written fanfics. I had, like, notebooks full of stories about Captain Planet and all this shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I was writing fanfic, but when I actually knew what it was um, and found it online, it was, um, like, 98. And that's when I found the Gambit Rogue fanfic called I Don't Want to Miss a Ting. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there are other ways to make love, Cher. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll try to – do you know if it's still posted? Probably not. It was on this person's um, – G. it was like GeoCities or Angel Fire or something, one of those things. I don't think it still exists. It yeah. might. I don't know. I'll do some Googling. <laughs> it might be on that – what's that, Internet Wayback Machine or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Switch was talking about um, – Oh, what was her? Uh, is it Stargate fandom where she met Brie, I think? Yeah, a bunch mm-hmm. of that stuff was on those old type of sites. And even the Smallville stuff is 20 plus years old. You notice a lot of the stuff on AO3 was like, I don't know, there's little tags that say like, you know, Smallville something something import. Like they were porting all these stories over to AO3 so they wouldn't lose them because all those sites were like shutting down and stuff. So it's kind of crazy. But um, as far as, like, fandom history, that's basically where I was on, you know, message boards and all of that. And the web rings, I, was, I thought it was so cool when uh, Switch mentioned the web rings. Look at those web rings yeah. on our guest book. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. So uh, so that was, like, X-Men fandom. Um, do you remember some yeah. other ones that you were in? Um, I didn't write for X-Men. I just read. But um, as far as me writing my own stuff, it started with Sunset Beach, which was um, Aaron Spelling's debut in uh, daytime television. It only lasted, God, like 97 to 99. But it was really, they called it like a cult soap opera, the Star Trek of its genre and all this stuff. And in England, they absolutely loved this show. They just went nuts for it because they just thought it was cheesy American drama or whatever. And it had um, Leslie Ann Down, who's like a very over-the-top British actress and everything. And um, she, <laughs> and that's where my name actually comes from. Um, there is nothing libertine about my past. My nickname was actually, you know, Prude and oh, Ice no. Queen. So it was it was a quote about a character from Sunset Beach. Uh, he was like the 
jewel thief international you know man of mystery and she um leslie ann downs character was like you know libertine past has finally caught up with you and that was (laughs) the name that i used when i started um really writing fic for that fandom was like 10 years later there was sort of a revival of it because there were all the um I think somebody on YouTube, it's since been taken down, but somebody uploaded like all 750 episodes of Sunset Beach to YouTube. Dude, (laughs) is it up now where I can watch it? Yeah, there was a revival like 10 years after it went off the air in 2000. And um, everyone kind of went nuts and started writing for it again. But I mean, as far as the stuff I was writing when I was... 18 19 it was horrible it was like you know characters being lowered into a vat of molten candy Um, it was all script style it was just basically like what if I was writing my own episode it was yeah it was just very um oh you know what I I actually let me go in my google docs I actually saved some bad old lines from my uh my old fix. Yes. Oh, sometimes I can't even bring myself to open my old fix. Like I'm like I don't even want to. I don't even want to look at it. Random photos of Billy and Ralph. And how do they look so good on their Zoom <gasps> interviews? They're getting younger by the minute. Yeah. What is going on? Especially Ralph in the last one. The um, oh. you know, who's the bad guy? I was like. And it's not like, it doesn't look like he, you know, he's like this. He had Botox shot in his face five minutes ago. It's, it's not like that. It looks, he looks like just naturally like he's going backwards. He has like a glow about him. I think it's his Mediterranean skin or something. But his, the funny thing about Ralph is like some days his, his like hair is like crazy. And you're like, what were you thinking why did your yeah. children let you out of the house like that? And then sometimes you're like, ugh, you just did so great today, Ralph. <laughs> it looks so good in that um, in that uh, video they just did. And in the magic show, it looks so, so good. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. This is, yeah, horrible. Um, his eyes were dark pools that she could see right through. <laughs> And past the brewing tears that corroded the edges of the orbs, shaking irises. <laughs> <laughs> what is, how are your irises shaking unless you're looking at them under a super uh, close up? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Eye descriptions are hard because it's so easy to, it's sometimes it's hard to find descriptions that aren't cliche, like um, piercing blue eyes or wide dark pools like you just hear it all the time and you're like fuck how do i describe because you've got this picture in your head and you're like oh i need some <laughs> way to describe this but yeah that's pretty awesome with the shaking irises but um, oh this this is just to describe someone's lips the capacious pink doorway to their hunger <laughs> what the hell is that i feel like with with that you're and the other one you're you're at least aiming high. Like you're clearly trying to do cool metaphors and descriptions. Um, I have never even heard the word capacious I, used. Otherwise, this is the only time I've ever seen it. I actually really. don't know what that means. <laughs> 
I don't either. It must have been in the thesaurus, and yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and here's now. This is like my crowning achievement. This is a fic that I demoted myself to part-time status at school to work on this fic that was so important to me because you know it was just the be-all end-all. It was called Lost with You. It was about you know, these the, the ship characters get lost in New York City. And, of course, I didn't know any location. So I was just like, 34th Street in Maine. And, um, you know, the, the New York Bridge. I just made it up. And, like, they're really – even though, obviously, there was Google at the time, you really couldn't look up all these things that you can look up now. It oh, was yeah. not as much information. So I just made it up as I went along. And what was so bad about – um going to part-time status at school was that I could have lost all my grants and all that stuff. Luckily it went under the radar and they never found out because that could have been really bad. I could have <laughs> like ended up owing student loans and everything for this fit. Now here's, here is the fic. Now these, this is an Italian couple. <laughs> Pietro, did you hear that? They just got married. They must be on their, how do you say? Honey Moonwalker? <laughs> Catamia, are you thinking what I'm wondering? <laughs> and then from that same fic, it was like, my God, she wasn't a supermodel. She was a spy. <laughs> so amazing. Oh, and I'm like, I could have like thrown my whole life away for this. Like, wow, that's horrible. So you, that was, you were, so were you in college? I want to say that was, God, that was like junior year of college, I think. Oh, I don't know. And <laughs> I mean, I guess I was writing better stuff than that in my actual creative writing classes. I hope I was. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. oh it's, um, I just feel like there's a, you have to go through, I mean, most of your life as a writer, really, but. Because uh, you always get better as you go, but you don't realize at the time quite. You, it's hard to see like where you're at at your current level. So you so you don't realize it's bad until a few years go by and you look back. And but I bet if you read through that, you would find some stuff you liked as well. Um, it's it's not all bad. Like it, you know, when you get past all of the completely. Um, illogical things and you know all of that there is some there's some value to it yeah but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great the New York Bridge <laughs> uh, that is crazy now though that especially in Cobra Kai where we've got the world is really contained within the valley most of the time so right. we've all like we've all just been scouring Google Maps and like Sherman oh, Sherman Way and we know like where Reseda is in comparison to Topanga and like <laughs> it's so funny just like none of us pretty much none of us have been to that to that area <laughs> oh no, no, never <laughs> but yeah I've spent like way too much time in Google Maps staring at you know it's like oh I want to make sure I've got the streetways going the right way and it's like you can you can't go wrong with Satakoy, I found out. I'm mm -hmm. like, no, would this be a route that Johnny would take to get from um his house drunk driving to Miyagi Do? Like, yeah, totally. Just, just go straight down Satakoy and you get there. So <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that one's definitely popped up in, in mine. Oh my gosh. 
there's so many of your fics that uh, we can talk about. And really, you're, you've only published Cobra Kai, right? Because I don't think there was any other... Um, on fanfic.net, that's where I started posting stuff as Libertine Past um, for Sunset Beach. And then there's a couple of Cobra Kai things over there before I, I honestly did not know that AO3 existed. And I was just on fanfic.net and, you know, the, you know, the drill with that, like, oh, these, these are not my characters. I am just playing. Please don't sue me. And I have a fic over there, um... I have one short one um, about just about Johnny, and then I put Wheel in the Sky over there just for shits and giggles to see if anyone, because I wasn't really sure what the La Russo climate was over there yeah. on fanfic.net. It's not really that active, but um, yeah, fanfic.net. Ugh. And yeah. there, there's a whip that I had on there called Empty Orchestra, and it was mostly about, I mean, I think that's one of the ones I started writing right after in... Um, 2018 like maybe june or july of 2018 and it was basically daniel and amanda focused and then kumiko was supposed to come but then i had no idea like (laughs) she he was going to be sponsoring some sort of i mean it was kind of like oh okay you know larusso auto group presents a night of oban dancing like oh wow okay let's you know and of course the traveling dance troupe was going to be there and i honestly that's not bad actually i got a notification the other day that someone was following that story and i was like yeah that hasn't been updated since november of 2018 (laughs) sorry and but and that was i basically fell off the Daniel Kumiko, Daniel Amanda wagon and got on the the Russo train at the time. So that fic was like, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, Kumiko. Oh, I hope Mm -hmm. we see her in season three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you remember, were you going to have Daniel cheat on Amanda with Kumiko? I, you know what, what was, what was the, you know, it's, I was going to have homeless Lynn turn out to be Amanda's mom. Fuck yeah. And I've kind of gone back and forth with, you know, Amanda was poor and Amanda, I've kind of settled on the Amanda had money growing up, you know, headcanon. But back then I was like, Amanda grew up poor too. And, you know, um, her mother was a drug addict and now she lives, you know, she, what was going to happen is that um, Daniel found out, or Daniel thought that um, Johnny was uh, with Amanda or something because he texted her like, "Oh, you know, I'll I'll keep a I'll keep an eye out. You know, nobody should know about this or something like that." And he was just he was texting her about like the fact that her mom was living behind the mart. Oh yeah. But Daniel saw it. He was like, "What it? What is this?" And he's like, "And he." It's funny to see a non-shipping story that I wrote about them. They actually don't like each other in the story. And he's like, I'm going to, you know, punch your nose in and, you know, it's going to fly and end end up on a skewer at the kebab place or something like that. (laughs) If you send like this textual diarrhea to Amanda again and, and he's like, well, you know, she was the one that contacted me. She had some questions about the yoga outfit that rents this place. You know, are they, um, is it gluten-free? Do they turn the heat up to 120? Do I like watch and jack off? You know, <laughs> you know, basic questions like that. 
And yeah, and Daniel, yeah, basically Daniel thinks that Johnny and Amanda are cheating. So I, that was going to open up the door for the Kumago stuff. But um, I mean, it, yeah, maybe. No, I just don't. I just can't pick up with that one again. I'm just so out of that mindset. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. People who just um, cannot see even a friendship, which, which isn't which isn't common. But maybe I'm just thinking of that Tumblr hole kerfuffle the other day but she's just like people like oh yeah oh, it's a toxic ship but some people just really don't see uh any chemistry there at all and i'm like i can't unsee it <laughs> like it just comes no, off and once i did i couldn't either once i you know crossed that threshold i couldn't unsee it and i hadn't watched the show initially with that lens at all i just had watched it regular and then after and then you put on the goggles and you see it completely differently yeah do you do you remember if it was like uh fan fiction that got you to think about love russo as a pairing yes it was the burt series yes oh (laughs) one of the founders that that is for sure like i read that fic and i honestly i feel like there wasn't a lot of enemies to lovers in my fandom that i came from like the the one that i wrote to it was sort of yeah, that was a, there was a lot of bickering between the ship that I had on Sunset Beach, but it wasn't they weren't really enemies per se. And once I discovered on like people ship Harry and Draco, I was like, what? Like it just didn't make any. Oh, like oh man. And um and then I saw La Russo and I was like, oh well. And I think the first one I read was a teen one. Mm-hmm. That was just it was kind of like Johnny's just you know holding him against a locker, like, stay still, and just <laughs> kissing him. I don't really like, I honestly, I don't really like those, those like, dub con, you know, teen Johnny ones. Yeah. Where he's like, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I find that uh, Daniel gets pretty uh, emasculated in those. Like, Johnny just treats him like a little girl, <laughs> I know. And it's, yeah, I'm not, I mean, Teen La Russo, it's, it's not my favorite to begin with. And it's, um, I don't know what it is. Like there are some out there that I really like, but yet at the same time, I really don't write it myself. Yeah. So there was some random teen, uh, dubcon one I read on uh, fanfic.net, but then with the Burt series, that's when it kind of clicked like, Oh, okay. Like these men understand each other in a way no one else does. And they're healing each other. That's what makes me so mad about someone saying they're toxic. Like they're healing each other. I know. I think that that whole argument gets really caught up in the, the black and white morality of the karate kid world when they are teens and they just think that people like yeah they like want to see some like aggressive johnny like forcing himself on like daniel who's half his size i don't know i don't i don't see why people are that short-sighted because it's like it's cobra Kai. i mean i don't know it's just and i think teen larusa can be done well and has been done well but it's it is more difficult i like the adult stuff is just great because then you've got that 30-year kind of scale of, like, maybe there was a connection yeah. as teens, but now it's being fully realized and there's a reconnection and plenty of room for pining. and Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I need that 34-year passage as well. Like, oh, you know what? I actually – I've never written, like, their teen versions really, although there was – I orphaned a fic recently. <laughs> I didn't like it anymore. It was um, it was Daniel and Jessica Andrews, and she was basically like, 
it was after the tournament. He's all beaten up, and she, like, straps a climbing harness to his crotch, and she's like, <laughs> and he's like, hey, I'm a little, I'm a little tender in the cojones, if you know what I'm talking about. And he's, and I just found it to be so grating and annoying, like my teen Daniel voice, you know, it, and it was this weird, like, I've never written something as explicit as that, and I'm like, once I'm in, like, the show notes, I'm not sure I want that there oh. <laughs> I, I don't know i mean it's it's not a horrible fic like it had its redeeming qualities but i don't know i mean it's really the only jessica andrews like fic out there it's still out there just under orphan account but um i don't know it just got weird yeah it was like she shoved a, a like a lump of uh firing clay down his throat and she was <laughs> oh like oh what's wrong daniel <laughs> She's like, voices carry. Don't be so loud. And he's like, Bleh. and he's like, you know, gagging on clay. It was terrible. <laughs> I don't know. In in January of 2019, me, Empy, and Lazy Panda kind of went on this thing. We called it Libby's audio cut out, but the project was called Daniel Wump Smut. Actual weird, angry way. And um, I have to say, Empy, I love what came of that. It was called... Um, Empy's story was called Young Blood. It's a Dutch Daniel. Actually really good. And that, and then there was some Mike Barnes and Daniel stuff that Lazy Panda had written that really was... It was actually kind of like... It was based off that snake audition tape where he's like, Daniel, baby, you know... <laughs> You know, Lazy Panda does some stuff that she just does um, different stuff than a lot of other people. And because she's that good of a writer, she can pull off some stuff that I feel like other people can't. Uh, You're like, what? That would never work. um, So the Daniel Wumpspot smut or whatever we were calling it, it was like basically someone was kind of being sexually aggressive with teen, only teen Daniel, though. I don't know. We never made it to an adult one with it because it was like, oh, you know, Amanda's going to kick his ass next. (laughs) And then it just never happened. But yeah, I don't know. That fic, it just wasn't really speaking to me anymore. Although it it had like some moments. It was, you know, she blindfolds him and he's like, oh, yeah, we're going ice castle. yeah, yeah. Dan Daniel's like that whole movie all Daniel is doing is like, oh, 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 oh what's the Miyagi? What's the Miyagi? Like that's like the writing was just bad and Machi I didn't know what to do with it. I know, yeah, three is just terrible. I'm like, did they just ad lib this whole thing? It's just <laughs> what what but what do you what do you do that? Like there's no real dialogue. It's just him just sort of off the cuff the whole movie. It's it's like um the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys have done like a commentary, whatever they call it, riff track on that. Uh-huh. And they're like, no matter what happens, never, ever, ever stop talking. Because, when you know, they're dangling on the cliff. And, you know, Jessica's like, what are we going to do? I don't know. We're the- and they never stop talking <laughs> in that movie. It's crazy. Oh and my what's God. weird about that movie also, I think, is the um, Daniel, he's always like, I'm an idiot. I'm so stupid. <laughs> Like every minute, and it's like you didn't really get that. Um, you never really get that from him in the first two, and then in the third one, he's like, "I'm so stupid. What am I doing?" <laughs> but it's like if someone is, you know, threatening to kill you. I mean, you can give yourself a break. What am I? What is wrong with me? And I'm like, "Oh my god." Oh, uh, the writing is. I'm not sure who wrote that. I should, because I can't remember. If Rob, 
Uh, I think Robert Mark Kamen was maybe still involved. Ooh, I can't remember now. I kind of wish it had been what they planned originally. It was like Daniel hits his head and goes back to ancient Japan or something. Did and... they plan that? <laughs> <laughs> that could be good. Is that is that a thing? Have you heard that? They planned that? Yeah. yeah. I read that somewhere. It was supposed to be. That was the original plan for Karate Kid 3. It was it was like a fantasy adventure where he hits his head and has a dream that he goes to ancient Japan or China or something. I don't know. <laughs> that would have been so – such a strange departure from, like, what the first two movies had established. Like, what are we going to do now? I, I mean, it's – still have seen the uh, Hillary Swank one. I haven't brought myself to watch it yet. Yeah. It's the same thing here. I kind of don't want to see – I mean, I don't know. It's just like it's different writers and it's it just feels like Pat Morita was maybe just doing it to kind of keep making money. I don't know. I shouldn't say that, though. And I do like Hilary Swank as an actress, but um, oh, I should just watch it so I don't keep saying like, uh, I'm never going to watch it or I don't know what it's about or – but. It's kind of still. The bad guy's name is Ned. That's always Ned. <laughs> like, what the hell kind of bad guy Dude. name is Ned? I wonder. Um, I'm not sure who the director was. I know John Avelson would do this thing where, like, um, there was a Cobra Kai companion interview with uh William Christopher Ford who played um Dennis in Karate Kid Three. Oh, yeah. And and they were asking him like about his you know the character origin or whatever, and he's like, uh, John Avelson just told us uh. We can just make make up our name, and I I don't know I don't know I just, just I just said Dennis, and that was my and the other the other guy had already named himself. I can't remember if he knew it or not, but the other guy was like picked this like badass name Snake, and then but he so he hadn't really matched it up. <laughs> just Snake and yeah, Dennis. There's definitely, there's definitely an imbalance there with Snake and Dennis. <laughs> Allison would do weird stuff like that. He also, with uh, Freddie, uh, he let Freddie wear that whole, like, the the making bacon shirt. <laughs> Israel, yeah, sure <laughs> Israel just showed up because it was, like, his favorite shirt. He just showed up to set with that. And he's like, hey, can I just wear this? And Allison was like, <laughs> okay. And it's, like, the most distracting, strange shirt. Like, no director in their right minds would allow a minor actor to like distract the scene with that. But for some reason, <laughs> when I bought my strategies from um, Izzy Jawarbe, I had the hardest time explaining who that was to my husband. And I was like, you know, the guy with the, the shirt and crikey with the pigs, the pigs doing it, making bacon. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, well, now he makes strawgies and I'm ordering some. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's fun. Well, let's get into, um, so mm. the first Cobra Kai fic, the, on AO3 anyway, or the first La Russa one especially that you did was called Foreigner, uh, which is technically, yeah, it's a work in progress. It's still a, a whip. Uh, it's not finished, but yeah. um, I love this story so much. It's your longest one, I think. It's 10,000 words. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, do you remember the idea for that one or when you started writing that one? I got to admit, I was, I was kind of thinking about that one, and I thought, well, that was really – I when I plan these chapter stories, I don't plan them. I just – and this especially, I just wanted to jump right in that La Russo sandbox. And I, 
I do find the first cra- uh, chapter to be a little bit crackish in a way. It's kind of like, oh, there's a sexy LaRusso. <laughs> La there's a sexy LaRusso auto commercial. Oh, what's Johnny going to do? And it's, I don't know. It, I The first chapter, I'm kind of like, I just was just kind of throwing myself out there like, hey, you know, if anyone wants to read this. And, um... I feel like it picks up, it gets better from there, but that first chapter, it that, that was basically it. Like, what if there was a sexy LaRusso auto commercial? Yeah, the so the title, obviously the work is Foreigner, which is a reference to the band, and then each of the chapter titles are a Foreigner song, which I'm a dumbass. I actually hadn't picked that up the first time I read it, so until I was doing this podcast, I was like, oh, Fuck, right. The chapter titles, they're all songs. Uh, and uh, they're great. So, the, yeah, that first one, Break It Up. I don't know. I really liked I really liked how it picks up. I think it picks up right in the action. Do you mind if I just read the first couple paragraphs? Yeah. Okay, ahead. let's just read the first couple paragraphs. So this is the chapter one. It's called Break It Up. And, oh, um, also, just real quick, you used pictures in, in this, which AO3 allows you to put in, like, HTML coding. Yep, I used my, like, HTML skills from 1999 to put some little tags to add pictures. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just read this first couple paragraphs. Okay. Any song could be used in a commercial now. Johnny couldn't get into Foreigner the way he used to. During Double Vision, all he could think of was that ad about two-for-one cheeseburgers. Cold as ice, some arthritis cream. There was a dark, musty, feeling old factor when the songs that defined your youth became jingles. Maybe your formative tunes being sold out wasn't as bad as them being ruined by something painful. Blue morning, blue day, now reminded him of rushing a five-year-old Robbie to the hospital after the boy had eaten a sandwich covered in cocktail peanut residue from Johnny's sticky countertops. That song used to light Johnny up, headbanging and air drumming. Now, he only remembered the sound of his kid wheezing in the backseat of the Firebird, the screech of Shannon yelling at him later, Robbie's convulsing little shirt that said, yo, gabba gabba, whatever that meant. <laughs> I just think that that's a great, I, I feel like uh, you were already in that kind of style early on where it's uh, it's kind of fun and it's funny, but also like uh, like that part about Johnny hearing that song and now thinking of like, one of the times he failed his kid is just like, oh, so sad. It's so good. And we kind of have developed this um, hive mind ca- head canon that Robbie has a peanut allergy because that's where, you know, Johnny gets his whole, oh, your stupid peanut allergy. Like, we, I don't know. Everyone kind of wants to believe that there's something, you know, personal about that. <laughs> yeah. I love that in fan fiction where you take a little moment from the show and then you just build this all back and... And uh, yeah, the hive mind thing is fun, like all this stuff that we, and I feel like you you and me, we'll talk about Tracy Blatt uh, here in a bit, which is amazing. I feel like, ah, I, I wanted it to become a thing such that the somehow the writers would notice and like actually change Counselor Blatt's name to Tracy Blatt. But you're already starting to kind of put in little pop culture references like the uh, the commercials for, I don't know if those are specific commercials, but I feel like you do that a lot. You kind of like build up the details of the world through, I don't know, references to like TV shows or like old products. Do you think those things come in just little bits that you remember or kind of come to you when you're writing? I think that I, I handle them a lot better than I used to. I used to do the pop culture references just for the sake of making them, and they really had no rhyme or reason. Like, I'd be like, here, have an echo wafer. 
oh thanks and that was that was it <laughs> like you're <laughs> yeah like you're tilting like... the minute made carton toward the camera kind of a yeah yeah they were just like yeah they were like the you know the truman show product placements and then then i said oh you know these should actually have a purpose and you know make sense with the story but yeah my my brain is just a pop culture wasteland where all these things just kind of float around and I feel like with the show they kind of put that element in too they kind of put those weird little uh those those little things in there yeah it works really great because like you said it, if if done improperly yeah it just becomes this kind of like weird like shoehorning in a bunch of references and it's just yeah. like distracting here's a thing that existed yeah <laughs> but you know in like writing and creating a fictional world you're sort of using the world that you know and have experienced and all those things are always like flashing across our vision so yeah part of it is probably just coming from real life but then you, i don't know you always kind of tie that into some kind of sentiment i feel like and um or or something that johnny would have experienced and uh, especially i feel like with johnny it, those get used a lot just because he's so still living in the 80s and Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's just uh stuck in the past. Yeah. So Daniel's uh doing this uh thirsty commercial where it's uh the background of the commercial is for the music is playing a foreigner. I think it's oh it's urgent, which is actually my favorite foreigner song. And um <laughs> Daniel's like wearing a leather jacket and he's like got some facial hair, which made me think I can't remember what if you said this or something, but there's like a specific age where Ralph Macchio starts to look like a grown adult. Yes, it was like 1999 when he was in that um, Outer Limits episode where he is some sort of scientist and he's got you know the little goatee that doesn't fully connect. And that was kind of what I was envisioning for that story. And also the, the Wendy's ad where he's in the leather jacket that sort of inspired that. The um, It's uh, uh, Carlton from... Carlton, yes. Yeah, and there's a third actor in there. Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I don't know why they were doing a Wendy's commercial, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so there's a little screenshot of Rob in a leather jacket there. And uh, yeah, if you can if you can picture uh, Garbage Fire John is sitting in front of his TV, it's kind of like an alternate of that scene where he's seeing the Larusso Auto commercial, but this time Daniel's changed up his formula, and Johnny's like... <laughs> angry that he's using the music of his youth to exploit it into a car commercial and he just kind of notices like drunkenly and johnny in this story does a lot of like noticing and then um what do you call it um there's like a psychological thing where you're like <laughs> ignoring uh there's just a quick little sentence and probably for the first time in his pathetic yo-yo existence he had a scruff of facial hair it didn't fully connect, but it framed his face heinously well, emphasizing a good chin that had lost a certain degree of punchability. <laughs> For the first time, Larusa looked like a grown man. Oh, I love that. Lost a certain degree of punchability. <laughs> so Johnny's already starting to see Daniel in like a new light there. Um, and I always, I'm never sure whether to go through these things scene by scene. Yours are hard for me because I like to underline my favorite parts. But uh, and th I'm not just saying this like I can't like I keep underlining like every sentence. There's so much. You guys, if you haven't read Libertine Pass, just you know, and don't do the thing. I've done this thing where fix where like there's a pairing I like, and I you kind of know the formula, and you're like okay, you kind of skim past and like to get to the good part. 
But you, mm. but uh, please don't do that with this because there's so much packed in every sentence and so many just little things. Um, and because uh, the voices of you do the voices just so well. Is do you find it easier to write Daniel versus Johnny point of view? I don't know. I think I go through phases where it's easier to do either one. And sometimes I have a really good Johnny streak, and then other times I'm on a really good Daniel streak. But I mean, I think Johnny's a little easier just because, I don't know, I guess um, Daniel's a little more complicated and, well, maybe not. I don't know. It's hard to describe, mm. but... I know um, what you mean, I think. It's like Johnny's a little more like external somehow and how he experiences the world maybe or I don't know. It's it's also just easier to sort of make it fun and kind of jokey. I don't know. Yeah, feels more like someone brought up they're like he's someone that cries in the show like multiple times and I and I remember I thought about that I was like oh yeah like he's compared to Daniel he's the one who's really more in touch with his emotions and so I guess I kind of try to tie that in where he's a like a little bit on a, on a certain level um engaged with his emotions although it's sort of in this weird Johnny sort of way I mean I kind of write Daniel as just a, a huge dork oh, yeah. I think a lot of time or just um I don't know it's very hard to describe my Daniel voice it's definitely like the adorkable you know Josh Whedon whatever you want to call it but <laughs> yeah Daniel Daniel's difficult and like on the thing with like who I go back and forth on this like who is who is more in touch with their emotions or who is easier to like read their emotions from because I initially I had this like well in my head, Johnny can't um, actually say his emotions out loud. Like, uh, like Daniel maybe articulates that better. But I feel like, yeah, something about Johnny, like you could probably read his, his face is so expressive. And Zabka's part of that. Like, if he's oh, devastated yeah. or something, his face just falls or if he's crying or whatever. So in that way, it's like he does feel emotions deeply and shows them in that way. But and then Daniel, uh, I think there's a lot of self-deception. I think I talk with... I can't remember who I talked with that a lot about, if that was Switch or uh, Christy or Bree, or, but probably a little bit of all of them. But the Daniel's yeah. like lying to himself a lot, maybe. And I don't know. He is really happy, I think, with his family on one level. But then Johnny always brings in an element of like something he's been missing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it was so great when um, Billy mentioned that in an interview. They're they're meant for each other or something like that. Yeah. That was yeah. Uh, I think that, ah, they, yeah, they are. They just are. <laughs> yeah, so we have don't have to go through the scene by scene, but there's like a hysterical um, <laughs> scene where Daniel is discussing the media strategy with his team, which is just, you've got these like smarmy media people trying to like, you know, sell him a pitch on why he should do this like sexy throwback stuff that's hilarious. And then finally Johnny, Dan Johnny comes, he actually drives to the dealership. It's like, what? <laughs> You know, he's he's just like just kidding himself that he's like only mad about this song. So he drives over there and he's like, and I put this clip on Instagram because the whole scene is just amazing. It's just so funny. He Johnny shows up. Johnny's like, pull the new ad or else. And Daniel says, who are you? Who are you? The FCC? Johnny says, you don't fuck with foreigner. What's next? I want to know what alone is waiting for a grill like you. You're really sick, man. <laughs> it's such it's such 
It's such fun dialogue. I feel like your your dialogue is always great. Do you have fun writing dialogue? A lot of the time, that's what I go to first, and it's just the characters talking in a void. There's nothing happening. No one's doing anything. No one's moving. They're just talking in a void. Yeah. Yeah, I got, that's my go-to. <laughs> I think it works. You got you, Their voices are really vivid. Oh, my God. There's a Muppets in Manhattan. <laughs> Daniel says... Yeah, okay, great marketing strategy, Johnny. Do you work for the firm Kermit the Frog went to when he had a head injury? And Johnny says, you keep Muppets Take Manhattan out of your mouth, man. It's nothing sacred to you. Oh, I just, uh, I was just cracking up. I just can't uh, handle that. And then they just end up, like, wrestling around on the ground. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, this would work in, like, a totally non-LaRusse, just like a like a rivalry fic um but it's but this is all a setup for what uh sort of the descent into like acknowledging feelings and whatnot but i love the first appearance by anoush i think in your fix yeah anoush comes out uh after they've been wrestling around uh, doing jujitsu actually uh anoush <laughs> Oh my fucking god, Anoush laughed, running over. The feud goes MMA. You do realize the whole service department just looked out the window and saw that, right? I swear, this shit is just such a fascinating journey into the human condition. Does the whole world just disappear when you guys get into it? The two men looked at each other and didn't answer. So it's like Anoush witnessing this ridiculous karate war <laughs> display of just juvenile behavior uh i love that were you always uh kind of drawn in by the character of anoush because obviously we'll talk in a little bit about like amanda and anoush and uh anoush is one of your favorite characters i was and honestly i had never seen like a south asian character on tv that didn't have some sort of stupid accent and obviously we know that you know, Dana Dutes passed with that, with sort of, yeah. <laughs> with the full off bill and all that. It was, he was just a normal guy. Although I guess like Harold and Kumar, that was, that was like that as well. So they, you know, the big three were with it and, and they were going to make, um, what Dimitri was going to be Tanzi or something. And yeah, they're like, they're down with like South Asian culture. And I think I just, I did love the character of Anoush. I hate it when people say that he's a, uh, a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> like I know that people say he's a douchebag all the time, but I'm like, no, that's just a front. He's really, you know, that's just he's just trying to be cool in front of Daniel and Louie. Yeah. You know, he's really like he's a sensitive guy, and I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of the whole all the dating app stuff and all that that he talks about in the first season and all that, I think it's all just sort of a put on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, you can take little bits of that stuff because on the surface, you're right. When you meet a noosh, yeah, he's talking about. Um, He's the he and Louis are in the office with Daniel and they're they're talking about uh Sam and Daniel's dealing with his daughter and Anoush makes some comment about how she's like, I don't know, how many steps away from like the being a porn actress or something or <laughs> daddy issues or whatever. Yeah. yeah. He said something about it's like the worst things about girls in this town, also the best. Or there's some line about <laughs> about that. <laughs> But yeah, the fact that Anoush seems to be always, you know, he's just obviously been single for a long time, serially mm -hmm. single, and clearly like looking for love, probably. 
people can call him a sleazebag, I guess, for like dating a bunch of girls. But it's also like there's a real human thing you can draw from that, which is like he's lonely and he's looking for somebody and he just has a lot of love to give. <laughs> I really can lose. Right, and then, you know, when you start doing these little research thingies for um, for Fick, I did find that South Asian dating sites are not like Tinder. They are marriage uh, oriented. So when he's talking his shit about, I'm going to, you know, date Priya and Seema and, uh, oh, I don't, can't, I don't know their names and all that. It's it's just a bunch of shit because they're like, you know, marriage-centric apps. <laughs> yeah. I watched um, The Big Sick recently. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It was Ray Romano and uh, I'm forgetting the main lead actor's name. Kumana Kuma, Johnny. Johnny. Yep, yep, because yeah. I watched him in Silicon Valley. Yeah, it's a great film, but it deals a lot with the pressures of his family trying to hook him up with a Pakistani girl. And it's yes. all about marriage and um, just that pressure to, I don't know, carry on your culture or whatever. Um, but he's already <laughs> fallen in love with a white girl and... But yeah, that's interesting that like, yeah, those dating apps, they're not, they're just to make more convenient an old tradition with all that family pressure. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. We do get to see, just to stand on Anoush for a little bit, we do get to see um, Anoush more in a couple different stories you wrote. Yeah, let's just talk about that real quick. In Little Earthquakes and Misgivings, there might be some references to Anoush's family, but... I I just love that you were building you build out a noose a lot I think in little earthquakes and was that fun to kind of build out his family yeah, I think I honestly, I was really um, into everybody's OCs and just like they were just mining the depths of these OCs that they had made and what is their favorite everything. And I'm like, I want to do that too. But, you know, the only OC I had was Luann, the uh, nurse in the hospital in Foreigner. So oh, God, I love her. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's kind of, uh, you know, just there just to kind of be a ship uh, shipping peanut or whatever you want to call it. But... Um, <laughs> Um, but Anoush, I was kind of like, well, you know, it could start there. So, and I never knew about face claims. I'm like, face claims. Yes. This is what I've been, you know, searching for. Cause I can never like maintain a picture in my head of what someone looks like. Yeah. And this is when you make up a, an original character just to explain real fast. And, uh, you're trying to develop the character in your head and you want to establish for you and maybe your readers what that character looks like. So you just pick a, an actress usually or an actor and, um, and say that, uh, well, Meg Ryan is now my character, blah, blah, blah. So you're like, you're casting sort of fictionally. I had never heard of that before. So I'm like, okay, this is perfect because now I'm, but then the problem was finding like a young looking, not young looking, an older looking Iranian, uh, actress to play his mom because they all these women look fantastic it's like they're they talk about like vampires oh my gosh so i cast her with what's her name i forgot her name but then um and then his sister bita is i forgot her name too i really have to write these face claims down they're somewhere on discord but obviously he has, um, like in my headcanon, his father died um, years ago and that sort of left that hole. I just love that idea of like the hole in the family and, you know, his his mom and his sister kind of get on his back a lot. And <laughs> Yeah, that's the dynamic between um, Amanda and Anoush is, at least in my perception, that it's this thing where they've been in the trenches together, working together for a long time and she's his boss. But that, and that kind of like translates into the relationship where he just kind of like worships the ground she walks on and she's kind of in charge in a way and so that sort of matches up with Anoush growing up with like 
a very a house with like domineering women. <laughs> yes. Yep. Exactly. But it's interesting too, uh, both in La Russo, how you treat Amanda within La Russo, and how you treat Daniel within a pairing between Amanda and Anoush is that they're never like hastily written off or or there's never really any big cracks in the existing relationship oh yeah i don't i don't like to make it so the other person is just dragging them down and what a drag you know and and as we've all said we love amanda you know what i mean we don't want to like we feel guilty about it we she's in a lot of our fix and we don't really know what to do with her but yeah and then daniel in you know the amush stuff he's He's his sweet self, and he, you know, obviously he still has his flaws, but yet he, he's just trying his best, and especially in um, Little Earthquakes, you know, Amanda's pregnant, so that kind of kicks him into, he kind of backs off from the dojo, it's sort of, you know, just what she was looking for as far as him kind of reeling him back in, even though that wasn't, she didn't intentionally uh, get pregnant in that story. But yeah, he's kind of more the man she married. He's not, you know, talking about 73-year-old uh, karate <laughs> coaches and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and he really expresses, so yeah, Little Earthquakes, real quick, is um, a story where at, you get a lot of time at the dealership. It's Amanda's point of view. It's pretty quick that you realize that Anoush has a thing for Amanda. But uh, Amanda gets pregnant. She finds out she's pregnant and she's 40 about or in her 40s. Uh, so it's unexpected. But Daniel, when Daniel finds out, he's ecstatic about it. She was, she had some maybe initial worries, but so it's really complicated. It's like a compl the the romance the the romance really there that you're exploring is Anoush and Amanda, but Daniel's still there. And there are maybe some hints that he's at least connecting with Johnny a little bit. It's not necessarily La Russo in the yeah, background. He's kind of concerned. He's, he's a little concerned about what's going on with Crease and all that. But yet in in my head it was sort of it wasn't that oh Crease is back and Johnny's bad. Like it was just that, you know, what's what's he saying to him? What's he, you know, putting in his mind and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he gets protective over Johnny. And so yeah, they have that sort of floating in the background. Yeah. And in Foreigner, I can't I Reread over there. There's not really much Amanda. I don't think she's in it at all. Oh, beyond the first chapter in the in the little meeting, boardroom meeting. No, yeah, I know. I I kind of never know what to do with her because I love her. I really do, and I, you know, I never want to make her be like this, you know, um, hen pecking <laughs> wife or something yeah. like that. It's it's a hard balance with her. Yeah, it is. Do you have um, so foreigner? You wrote uh, about four, I think four chapters, and mostly back in 2018, and then it kind of sat for about a year, yes. and then you recently updated it. Yep, finally. <laughs> Never lose hope that your favorite fic will update. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, I feel like you and I both. Me, so right now, I had like a real like six month or so of where I was really writing a lot, and uh, recently I've just like I don't know, I've just kind of fallen off the boat a little bit. Yeah, me too. Do you, is there certain things you think that motivate you back into writing or finishing a project or coming back to a project after you've been off of it for a while? I just think just that, you know, calling them whips and they're always sort of in your mental inbox or whatever you want to call it. They're always just sort of hanging there. I, I mean, and obviously you can just never finish it if you want, but nobody cares. But yet it's like, it does in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, I've got these whips. And, you know, obviously you have all these new ideas that come up all of a sudden and you're like, well, I should work on my whips. But then you like, no, <laughs> I don't want to. But I think what 
what made me go back to Foreigner was just because, I mean, I would get, I guess I would get the most comments on that here and there. And, um, I don't know, people just seem to pay attention to store, uh, chapter stories more than one shots, I think, sometimes. Yeah. So it depends. Uh, I know. I think so, too. <laughs> Yeah, which is kind of frustrating because I feel like quality-wise, my one-shots are better. Just because it's like a coherent kind of piece where you can really, you can just polish it a little more maybe than a, than a chapter. Uh, and I, I feel like you're like me where maybe I have a vague plan, but a lot of stuff comes up in the process. So if I was like yes. publishing professionally, I would I would do that, but then I would go back and edit it so it made it seem like I knew what I was doing. But I usually don't actually... <laughs> bother doing that (laughs) so maybe the chapter fix are just harder to like make seem coherent all the way through where i don't know i enjoy one shots your backyard i actually didn't print out the backyard series so i don't have quotes in front of me but the backyard series is i love those so that and that one started with wheel in the sky right yeah and that that was pretty much supposed to be a one shot. And then um, I remember when you posted your little thing, like I miss Libertine past over the winter time or spring or whatever. And it was just, I don't know. I was just completely out of the, out of the mode, like fandom mode. And that definitely brought me back. And I was like, Oh, I gotta Uh, do something. And I remember that's when I, I did the prom night sequel to that. And then after that, there was a lot of, um, there was sort of a revival with the La Russo stuff. And yeah, um, it definitely, for a few months there, I was real, I was on all the time wanting to write new stuff. And that was an easy, that's always sort of an easy go-to because it's, an, they're established. We don't really, I don't really, I don't really get into what, whatever happened with Amanda or anything like that, but it's just sort of an easy go-to for something fluffy and light. And, you know, I always kind of go back there to just sort of, if I'm not in the mood for something really angsty and, you know, Daniel mulling over his feelings and all that. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to play. So I'm like the backyard series is where I go when I just want to write something a little fluffy and lighter. Although, I mean, it, it has its serious moments, but it's mostly meant to be fluffy and fun yeah i like the theme of it kind of being all around the backyard specifically the backyard of miyagi Do, because it's kind of like an oasis for them and their relationship and mm-hmm. and then in mm-hmm. that same way it feels like these sweet little contained pieces in this world and they feel a little bit like an oasis just i don't know they're just fun little little gems what's do you have a favorite in that series that you as far as like uh, that you're more partial to that you wrote? Honestly, I still get comments on Wheel in the Sky the most, I think. So maybe that one. And um, I like Leaves of Three. I like I love the, you know, the light wump that happens in that one where Johnny's, you know, having a poison oak reaction. I always have to throw in a little, someone always has to be, you know, couldn't keep it too fluffy. Had to throw in a little bit of uh injury <laughs> that one is yeah. I, I was trying to remember which one was my favorite i think it was also leaves of three yeah just because it's puts johnny in kind of a vulnerable position where yeah his whole body is like breaking out in this poison oak and uh daniel kind of has to take care of him a little bit and there's not enough i i think that we need more like uh vulnerable johnny caretaker daniel because i'm always I'm always in that mode where it's like Daniel's hurt and Johnny's taking care of him, but it's I like to to flip it and do um, Johnny as the vulnerable one sometimes. And even though this wasn't like a major 
thing. It was just a, a little bit of a allergic reaction. That's it's always fun. <laughs> oh, they're so sweet. Yeah, the second one is like uh, Daniel is indulged in his like romantic side that we do see in the show. Yeah. I prefer, I just pictured his, you know, little nasally voice coming from behind the tree. I prefer the term grand gesture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. He's such a, he's such kind of like a, a both like a dorky dad and just kind of like such a little shit sometimes. And um, I think those two sides of adult Daniel are really important to his, (laughs) to his voice and, I read one time, I don't remember who said it, but they said, if you if you don't come away from a fic thinking that little shit about Daniel, then you, you've written him wrong or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> was that an author? I remember that. Um, was that Firebird? Um, either Firebird or the one where he just shows up at his house like, I'm taking the car back. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then they just end up. Oh, yeah. Like he's doing up. it to deliberate provoke John Johnny. Yeah. 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 A uh, straight card, I think. Yeah. I, I forgot. Yeah. The but yeah, that's <laughs> that one was hot. That was an intense. Uh, I, I read it's like once you discover the the. Uh, the well done, like explicit fix in the fandom, you're just like, bookmark. <laughs> Come back to that one. Yeah, and I love that Firebird one too. That's a great one. Yeah. Car sex seems to be a theme. Somebody said that on Discord the other day. It seems to be kind of a theme for Johnny and Daniel. <laughs> like, you, either, yeah, just like romance around either cars. kissing or something's going on in the in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like, it really is kind of a thing in Cobra Kai. Like, car, these cars do are important to them and kind of characterize them like obviously the uh the old ford for daniel and then the either yeah. the firebird or the or the uh challenger for johnny yeah so the prom night one was really sweet so it's a do-over of prom which was a disaster you write in there it's like a disaster for both of them like neither of them got well yeah daniel got to go with Allie, but then he is obviously broken up with really sure of the timeline of that of whether um i i assumed that they were at the prom at some point and then maybe left early because they were arguing i've, I've never really been sure of that whole timeline of ali crashing the car and i yeah. imagine they went they were there at some point and then he disappeared and i always imagine you know what what did johnny think when suddenly they were gone and you know um and what was johnny's prom like in his date and that was where uh farrah fontaine which is sort of a play on fair I was I was gonna ask you that yeah yes yeah it just sounded like a valley 80s valley name <laughs> it oh it totally does uh okay we'll just read a little bit ahead of this so this is Daniel coming out into the backyard sort of a surprise for Johnny so he says Daniel appears from the balance pond trees in a slick tux that isn't a rental that he actually owns An Encino normality, Johnny vaguely remembers as he suddenly feels outside of his own body and timeline. His mind is spam, as in the meat, and his (laughs) eyes are scaling Daniel up and down. Like always, the warmth passing through him is jarring at first and comes with a chest pain that makes him wonder if he should be on one of those low aspirin regimens. He clears his throat (laughs) over his hitched breath, his hands drop from his pockets. What, um, what's all this? He mumbles softly. The occasion, or did I forget? Daniel is loving the squirming. You didn't forget anything. This is just a spontaneous little gala I'd like to call our official do-over of senior prom. 
<laughs> the much-avoided prom confession had finally happened a few weeks back. They hadn't even had much to drink. The stay-puffed-sized embarrassment at the time at least seemed laughable in hindsight. Uh, don't you mean your do-over, LaRusso? Is that why you ditched the dumb and dumber tux? Which <laughs> is so great. It's like Daniel's blue. I honestly never realized the connection between those two until I was watching Dumb and Dumber one day, and I said, my God, that's... <laughs> it's like the same. It's the same that can do. I'm like, it's the same one with the cummerbund and everything. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It is the same. It's so bad. And then... um. Uh, Daniel says, well, yeah, that's a revision, but that night was pretty disappointing for you, too. I disappeared halfway through, for one thing. Johnny had assumed it was for another reason altogether, some of the the behind-the-bleachers variety. The thought of Daniel's clothes in a blue taffeta pile on the grass had him fuming. Yeah, I noticed that I wasn't blind once the suit was out of range. So he's totally reflecting. You get Johnny being jealous, and then him just, like, you know, sort of deflecting his actual... Uh, caring about Daniel uh, and then Daniel says too bad you weren't deaf I remember watching Farrah Fontaine yapping your ear off she made Susan's voice seem pleasant and melodic <laughs> <laughs> like I never wish you came with a mute button adenoids and it just goes into this this um, banter and that's what's funny your dialogue is always so much fun but um, yeah I love this like I don't know these two have been carrying around their prom experience and um, so it's a sweet one. They get a they get a do over, yeah. And then the last one in that series is uh, Mainichi. Yes, yep. That's someone. I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like that one was sort of an afterthought that came later one day when I was. I have these things where I'll be at the salon under the hair dryer, really bored, and you know, there's no more magazines at the at the hair salon, so I'm like typing in Google Docs on my phone, <laughs> and. Um, that was was like a sort of spontaneous one, and it's it's okay. It, it definitely has its value, but I don't know. It it is one of the heavier um, pieces of the backyard series where it you know deals with basically my headcanon for Mr. Miyagi's death. That it's just very um, this sort of incomplete thing where they they just sort of have this half conversation that never really gets resolved, and I feel like that's such a a big thing and you know things don't happen like karate kid 2 where you know the the person's last grand gesture is to join the two enemies hands and then die like that just doesn't happen like mr miyagi's just like what was what was the answer to the jumble and um daniel's like oh i'll go get the paper and that's kind of how i always pictured it as this sort of throwaway moment that he just regretted for years that he he just expected a lot you know this big um, resonating moment from Mr. Miyagi before he died. And then it just sort of was like this very um, throwaway sort of moment. And I think, I don't know, I think it was Killjoy that I mentioned that in. Yes. Um, yeah, that the jumble line. About Mr. Miyagi's death. But I just, um, yeah, I kind of expanded on it in um, Minichi and just sort of, uh, um, I didn't even know that that was a thing until I looked it up that, it, you know, the person's death anniversary was like a special occasion in Japan. So I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, maybe in some ways it's not quite as, as strong overall as a piece and it's pretty short as the other ones, but it's really, um, yeah, it's really lovely. And I, yeah, digging into the loss um, of Mr. Miyagi is, 
Ugh, it just makes your heart hurt for Daniel. And I, yeah, I, I love that that sort of like underwhelming way of losing. I, not underwhelming, but you don't. Daniel doesn't get closure. It's and there's like humor in that line, the the jumble line. Uh, yeah, what was answer to jumble? Daniel walks off as you said, and he comes back, and Mister Miyagi's gone. Um, but it's uh, it's just heartbreaking. It's uh, I don't know. I just I loved how you did that. It's not. You know, it's not overly dramatized. It feels like something real, like in real life that happens all the time where, yeah, you don't get that moment with that. You you sort of build up in your head like, well, I'll definitely be there and or or I'll say the things you want to say or and then uh, you just don't. I remember uh, this is just like random personal stuff, but I had an aunt die of um, Lou Gehrig disease which is horrible where you just like lose all your ability to move and stuff. And um, it was like the first time, you know, that I sort of like had a family member who like, you know, is going to die. And we went over to their house and she was in this like hospital bed. um, And like, oh, I just regret it because all like I went up to her and like maybe held her hand or something. And, you know, she can't talk or anything. So instead of what I should have done was like just tried to talk to her and just because she was this most talkative person. Um, but instead, like all I could do was like cry. Like I just imagine having, you know, you're on your deathbed and like you just look up and like someone's just like, <laughs> like bawling and then you can't do anything to like make them go away. And she had this little clicky froggy thing. And I remember her clicking because that's the only way she could move and like get attention. And she got her husband to come over. And I was like, Uncle Bruce, I think maybe Aunt Norma needs something. And I realized that she was probably just like didn't want to watch me bawl my eyes out over her. She was just trying to get me away. So I don't know. It's just like it makes stuff like that just makes you think of stuff in your own life where like, ugh, like regrets yeah. or loss. or. And in a hospice situation, you really don't know when the person is actually going to pass. It kind of is dragged out. They're sort of, you know, there's just... Um, with my father-in-law, that's how it happened. He had brain cancer, and it was a very long, drawn-out thing. And I really, like, I think I've drawn a lot of writing inspiration from that because it was as horrible as it is. There are stories that we tell about it that we laugh our asses off because it's – and it's bad. It's like that it's funny because it's sad, and that basically is, like, the, the basis of all my humor in my writing. And it just – yeah, there was some – there were some tough moments in, in that hospice situation and it's like, but some of them were just kind of funny. Like where my father-in-law was kind of flirting with the nurses and stuff. Like he had lost all his inhibitions. Like that part of his brain was just gone. And he was just like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I've really like drawn a lot of inspiration from that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, death is, uh, you know, it's like truth. You know, there's no hiding from that and, and that experience. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, I don't know. But that, the funny, sad style in your writing is really, I don't know. I think it's really effective. Um, I wish I had smarter words to say about that. But um, I just always enjoy any of your prose. I think it's just always... Um, it's stuff that I really take time to read every sentence and never skip over. So you do a really good job. 
I try really hard. Like the word choices are agonized over, especially with Johnny. You got to kind of find that. Um, I think I try not to overuse, but I try to use those sort of valley speak terms like, um, I don't know, a tasty, uh, a tasty, whatever, or a heinous or something like that. I try not to overuse them, but, and not even just the valley speak sort of words. There are certain words that you choose that you feel like he would say, and it's, yeah, you kind of agonize over those little details. Yeah, um, there's a, but, um, oh man, there's so much good stuff. It just kind of uh, going all the way back to Foreigner. When they're waiting in the uh, waiting room. So Robbie's in the been admitted to the hospital because um, <laughs> of a nut reaction, <laughs> which was Daniel trying to set set the atmosphere in the dojo <laughs> with a um, an almond oil like air infuser something there's a great there's a great line there where he's he's done that and then um they're freaking out because robbie's having this reaction and daniel's like you know what oh he's basically asking what's gonna happen and robbie says i don't know i've never vaped nuts before (laughs) (laughs) and it just sounds like something a teenager like robbie would say even if he's in kind of duress so they go and and daniel and johnny are both there with them and there's a sweet moment where they kind of work together where Johnny actually has a great parenting moment. Like he actually knows about this allergy. He finds the EpiPen. Um, what is he called? Your Epilady? Epilady. But it's not that I, I'm like, I can't make him call an EpiPen an Epilady. So I'm like, I'll make him, he's joking about it. Like it's, he calls it his Epilady. Cause I'm like, you know, that's when you're, you're like, am I going too far with the Johnny doesn't know the names of things? So basically, yeah, that was sort of like, yeah, he calls it an Epilady. He knows it's called an EpiPen, but that's sort of like, they have at least that one inside joke between them. And like, I think a lot of us, we, we make him more involved with Robbie than he is in canon, like in canon he really never really saw him at all and but a lot of us have you know he was there kind of in the early days when he was an infant yeah. and he yeah. was there like up until maybe around like kindergarten age and then after that that's when it sort of fizzled out i think a lot of us see him as being a little more involved than canon um dictates because i just can't see him having absolutely nothing to do with him at all i just i don't it just doesn't seem in character to me yeah, it's just like a theme. It it seems to imply yeah that he's just failed, um, and you know he does have the soccer picture, and there is that little um, drawing that you find that Johnny's kept in his room of Robbie's drawn the the car uh, and him and Shannon and the families all together. So I'm like, I, I kind of feel like there's yeah maybe maybe they do kind of I don't know. I think they're a little bit sketchy on that. Whether like how involved was he? How much did he see him? We don't really know. It's a little bit left up in the air. Although I. Honestly, I was really disappointed when it was like he never showed up at the hospital the day he was born. I was like, no, I just I wanted him in the delivery room yelling Cobra Kai <laughs> mottos at Shannon and she just threw him out. Like, I, I didn't want him to not be there at all. That still kind of bums me out about canon. But <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Zabka has mentioned stuff like that, too, that his view of Johnny wasn't as maybe extreme as the writers kind of took it. And I, I kind of understand why they did that. Cause you really got to build up that parental resentment, uh, yeah. and, you know, fail, failed on day one. But yeah, it seems like Johnny's got such heart that it is hard to picture that, that he wouldn't be there at all. So I think it makes sense to have him write him in as like, 
kind of just like not having his shit together enough to really be a dad, but like kind of trying and being there sometimes. Yeah, definitely seems like this. He he shows up sometimes, definitely. Um, but there's a oh, this was just because you were talking about Johnny's like uh, voice and language. Um, this is just a little scene. So him and Daniel are waiting in the hospital while Robbie's <laughs> they're treating Robbie. Um, and uh, they've actually had there's this whole thing where um, the uh, nurse comes out to ask about their uh, Robbie's insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel has already, um, like in season one, he kicks Robbie out of the dojo. And so in this case, in a fit of rage, he had actually canceled Robbie's uh, LaRusso auto insurance. And then the Cobra Kai insurance is just bare bones. And then uh, the the nurse kind of looks at them and goes like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is Luann, who is my favorite original character, <laughs> kind of this sassy black nurse. And she's like, did they, de- oh, yeah. did they deny you for being a couple? And Daniel's about to say something, and Johnny goes, "Yes, they did," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so it's this like fake kind of uh, fake marriage subplot, and it sort of plays out. Sorry, I'm doing all of this just to introduce this little exchange here. So, so here's them waiting in the waiting room. Uh, Daniel is still in his gi. He's he says at least he put shoes on, and Johnny says, "Having your weird ass feet out would be even funnier, man." I don't have weird feet. I got kind of uh, up close. I know what I'm talking about, which is a reference to the crane kick. I'm sorry, Johnny. Yeah, whatever. It was legal. <laughs> no, not about that. The aromatherapy. Just don't ever say that word again and we're good. <laughs> I wish I could make you see how sorry I am. Make yourself useful then. Go get me some grindage from the vending machine. He snipped, tossing a few quarters in Daniel's hand. Fritos, garçon. <laughs> <laughs> 50 cents? What do you think this is, Woolworths? This isn't enough for a bag of Fritos? What the hell? Johnny said, stiffly extending a dollar. <laughs> I love that you put stiffly extending like he's reluctant. Uh, the worm took his little walk and did exactly as instructed. Back in the day, Johnny probably could have sent him limping over to the concession stand to buy him a second place corn dog. <laughs> you, um, he mumbled when Daniel come back, came back. You can get yourself a coffee or something. And then it kind of goes on. But yeah, the, uh, go get me some grindage from the vending machines and like throwing the quarters at Daniel <laughs> was uh, it's just such a great Johnny voice. I love that little scene. But um, yeah, Lu- so Luann plays kind of a whole role in that uh, scene. And she's awesome. Did you have a, a uh, inspiration for Luann or did she just kind of come to you? Obviously, also the, the chapter title is also called Luann, which is a foreigner song. Yes. And I think that's, yeah, I was trying to decide the song that would be the next chapter title and that that's sort of where it came from. I go, no, it can be the name of the sassy nurse. And I apologize if she's a trope, like, you know, the sassy black nurse, but that was all that I could really think of in my mind as, as far as what I wanted for this character and what, you know, she, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a trope, but you know, it's like if you had more time or you could easily write something where Luann's got a real life and um, you know, you kind of yeah. have to be sassy working in a hospital, you know, being a nurse. Yeah. And, um, I, I kind of based her on, uh, what is one of the actors named Joe Murray Payton from Family Matters, who's kind of like, <laughs> Steve, you know, like, whatever. She's just very, you know, always kind of exasperated. She's exasperated with her husband and just yeah. sort of, um, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know if she was a nurse, but yeah. I can't I remember. It's been forever since I've seen that show. No. But that's what. So she's great, and she's like rooting for the marriage that she doesn't know is fake. So she's very charmed and supportive of Daniel and Johnny's fake relationship. Um, but we also run into uh, Tracy, Tracy Blatt, Counsel Blatt. And uh, it bears saying that um, Libertine Fast, uh, you made up this first name for Counselor Blatt. Um, although some readers of mine might recognize that name, I ended up writing her into uh, the Book of Job. And it's because I loved your Tracy and this idea of Tracy so much because uh, Tracy comes into the hospital. She's flirting with Daniel. Oh, there's a great line here that Johnny rolled his eyes, feeling invisible as these two dinguses laughed and chatted. This was definitely some important king of the PTA sort of relationship. Uh, well, at least for LaRusso. This woman wanted to jump in his ghee pants. Talk about <laughs> talk about beaver secretions, which is a reference to another line. Johnny's eyes narrowed, which Daniel took notice of. So, so Tracy and Daniel are like, or Tracy's flirting pretty hardcore. Um, and then she comes over to Johnny and Daniel's like, you remember Johnny Lawrence? And she says, you know something? People like you were one of the reasons I decided to become a school counselor. You gave me a terrible nickname that stuck so badly. Does bag your face trace ring a bell? Susan still calls me that when we fight. And I had just found out about her being Susan's sister, like, as I was writing that chapter. And I was like, oh, no, I kind of was disappointed. I was like, oh, now I have to. So I'm like, did Johnny know her? Did he, like, how well did he know Susan? And then I kind of just in my head came and I just made them sort of like just a year apart. She was just, you know, a year behind Daniel and Johnny and, um, um, just sort of like they they knew of her they weren't really they they had seen her around and obviously Johnny had just had his uh little <laughs> beef with her over what she was drawing on her uh book cover oh yeah but um let me read that part real fast so <laughs> this is Johnny trying to remember why uh where that nickname came from um it says the incident was blurring into shape in Johnny's mind he had his puffy headphones over his ears, music blaring, and his voice must have been so loud when bestowed that name upon her. But why? There was always a reason to dislike Susan, but why her sister? It all came crashing back. He'd seen her doodling on the bleachers on a brown bag book cover, Mrs. Tracy Ann LaRusso. <laughs> Young Johnny's draw, jaw clenched and his breath hissed from his nose. What's up, bag your face, Trace? So it's great because it establishes that Johnny actually has had something for Daniel, even when he was a teenager. And he like takes out, takes it out on Tracy, poor Tracy, who's like also in love with Daniel. Uh, and I just loved that. So I stole that uh, for mine. But I love that kind of like uh, Tracy, just like this little sister who like is always lingering around the friend group, probably and in love with Daniel. And then, yeah, we come back in the latest chapter. I know we kind of talked about when you kind of felt re-inspired to come and write this latest chapter. Did it go pretty quick or was it hard to get back into the story? Once I got back in the mindset, it was actually pretty easy. But um, 
I think I may have struggled on a few pieces here and there of it, but um, it kind of just flowed when I got back in that headspace of, you know, I mean, you take time away from these whips and then you're like, how am I ever going to get back to it? But you can, you can just, I don't know, sometimes you get that new comment from a new person or something like that, that sort of, you know, reinvigorates, you know, that, that story or whatever. But um, I always intended to finish it. I mean, Next chapter is probably going to be the last. I think I can finish it out somewhat satisfyingly in six chapters. I just kind of wanted to have, a, you know, something there instead of that little question mark. Um, yeah. Yeah. But as far as chapter six, I really I have a name for it. I think it's going to be called Star Rider after that song. And I but I, beyond that, I really don't know. The story started very spontaneously with sexy LaRusso ad. And then after th there was really no plan going forward. It just, it was like sexy LaRusso ad, peanut allergy hospital. I don't know. That, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask, um, did you, ha when you're writing a chapter, do you, in, the, in this case with this theme of the foreigner songs, with this last one, did you pick out the title first or do you kind of try and match what the plot is sort of reflect what you know the plot is going to be um i think i think for some of them i picked it out first um break it up i think definitely came later because that was when you know they end up having the fight in the parking lot at the end but um i think double vision was picked out beforehand because i knew that johnny was going to be drunk and just sort of rambling on oh, and on God. to miguel and um, Blue Morning, Blue Day was obviously going to be a callback to the the whole peanut allergy situation in the first chapter. And um, yep. Luann, I just sort of was like, all right, that's a good name for a sassy nurse. <laughs> um, and then Long, Long Journey from Home, kind of, I I definitely knew I wanted to open with that Iron Eagle quote. And then that that title, I just basically just looked at all the titles of, you know, these different foreigner songs. And I was like, yeah, they... They definitely are, are in a much different place in that chapter than they were, you know, in the beginning, in, in, in their little bathroom uh, world yeah. that they've stepped in. <laughs> yeah, I love the, the long, long way from home. It's it's just the sentiment of that is like, feels like it's on the road to sort of wrapping up what we want to see in some way, or they're, they're on their way to sort of acknowledging, or, you know, this attraction maybe. Um I love the Iron Eagle quote. It's so awesome because it ties it into the show. But it's actually like once you take some of these corny lines out of context, just like in the show, like those lines work so well to motivate Johnny. Um, I love that. And it's like they could have just made that a throwaway, oh, Iron Eagle, you know, some cheesy 80s movie. But they he's like crying while he's watching it and having this sort of transformative moment. And it's it's it, it really means something. Oh, it's so good. Like the, you know, the bits about it comes from something inside you. And um, yeah. I can't remember all the quotes, but it's so, it becomes so powerful the way they did that. It's like one of my favorite. It almost makes me cry, like watching it, you know. No. Yeah, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite moments from season one where I really feel like the um, sort of uh, pop culture 80s references are really done right within the story like it's not I feel like in season two there are a lot of these throwaway moments where it's like hey everybody remember Caddyshack like da -da 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 -da. <laughs> and then it's like that 
just there was no rhyme or reason to it in my opinion and um but the oh the iron eagle i love it so much <laughs> oh man the the quote just to read this real quick that uh comes at the beginning of this most recent chapter a long long way from home is um from doug masters is a character in there Maybe I'm not all that ready for it, but who in the hell is ever ready for it? You didn't get me into this. I went to you, remember? I know what we're risking here, and I'm proud to be able to fly with you. Maybe I'm not all that ready, but I'm damn proud. Oh, that just it. And when I found that, I just I was sort of like, okay, I want I want to open with an Iron Eagle quote. I just I had to just sort of put that at the beginning of this chapter because I was kind of I was feeling a little unmotivated as as to the start, but. Um, once I went back to it, when I had that quote, I was like, okay, this is, you know, it's, yeah, that's sort of, you can almost put Johnny's voice in it right there, where that's what he's, he's feeling at that moment. He's, you know, he and Daniel are kind of flying together, being these co-parents for, uh, Robbie. And then obviously on the romantic level and, uh, uh it's so great. Uh, oh man. Yeah. I can't wait to, uh, read how that wraps up, but it's been such a fun fun story it was one of the, it, it was one of the first uh la russo pieces i think i read i remember finding the because what i usually do in a new fan it's like you go in there you filter for your pairing and then you like do kudos and so i think at that and that wasn't as much at that time we've really over the past year or so grown a lot but oh yeah i remember yeah going through the burt series as well and some other stuff yeah. and some empty stuff and but foreigner was i think one of the first ones i i found and i was like <laughs> i love it so much it's so, and that was really the first time i kind of like who is this author with this like crazy style so funny <laughs> oh my gosh and then i had just had to go through all your stuff so <laughs> good job <laughs> um yeah gosh well um so we kind of talked about uh amush and i just need to i feel like you're the only one kind of doing it but it's become a thing where that became sort of your default background potential romance for amanda if you're gonna write somebody for her and you don't want to leave her by herself so i feel like you kind of started that and i use that in midlife crisis and that whole universe amanda ends up with a noosh and i think some of lost magician stuff has some background to moosh as well yes um the one um set where he just wakes up in this universe where he's married to johnny i think yeah she's married to a noosh and he she he they make an appearance in another one but it's like Honestly, before that, I shipped Danish. I wanted Daniel and Anoush. I, I, felt, I felt some chemistry there in that, you know, do you want to do karate with me scene? And I was kind of like, ooh. And I wrote that story, Tattooed Everything, where they sort of have a little, you know, Anoush takes Daniel up on his offer to teach him karate. You know, they're just both drunk. They've been to a concert and they're... You know, Anoush is just enjoying this time alone with Daniel without Louie, just always ruining everything, <laughs> um, you know. And their estrangement, you know, Daniel and um, Louie's estrangement, Anoush is kind of enjoying this because he gets to be with Daniel alone. And um, and then I just completely fell off that rare pair ship. I just, I, I tried to start something new with it. It was like a sequel to Tattooed Everything called Nothing Man. And it was going to be, you know, obviously Daniel, you know, continues to want to train with Anoush and what happens. And, you know, there was going to be like a, some sort of team building excursion for LaRusso Auto where um, Daniel and Anoush should have gotten this like dance off or something like that. I had, <laughs> I had some good ideas for it, but 
I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And then, um, I, I really wanted to do the fix it where I'm like, okay, nobody. And this was before we knew about that deleted scene where at least, you know, Daniel, um, goes to the dealership and apologizes to Anoush after the beat down. But I'm, I was like, I just want someone to check on him after he gets his oh, ass yeah. beat at first. And that was when, you know, Amanda stepped in and it just sort of went from there. So, yeah, yeah that's yeah. my rare pair. <laughs> yeah, it's a really sweet little piece. Um, I think, yeah, there's something I think that you get from La Russo and Amouche somehow that's maybe just not quite there in a Daniel-Anouche pairing. Like, it's kind of fun and it's sort of attractive, but um, it's like Daniel or Anouche clearly... <laughs> Uh, idolizes Daniel, I think, just sort of being his yeah. boss. And the way that Daniel and Amanda both, like, I think there's even a shot where they're, like, turn and they're kind of looking at him with, like, shiny eyes. I think that's on Tumblr somewhere that you capped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that scene, that scene where, you know, I, oh, God, I, I, I love that scene where Anoush finally, you know, pops in in, in uh, Fire and Ice. He's like, hey, I saw your commercial. And I was just like, and you know, and Daniel and Amanda both turn around and they're just they've got like hearts in their they're eyes. Just, oh, like, we love hey! him. <laughs> yeah, and I think so. There's like clearly affection on both sides, but I think you get something with, I mean, La Russo is just there's all kinds of kind of yin yang and you know being oh, understood yeah. by somebody in a way that nobody else does. Where maybe with Anoush and Daniel, you'd have to find something else besides Daniel just teaching a news karate or i don't know maybe something could come out of yeah. that teaching it, it's just a little it harder was definitely to a lot of like looking up to him sort of thing um yeah i don't know the that that definitely fizzled out for me but the obviously the draw with amanda and anoush is the um they're both the funny people on the show they're yes. both like the comedy the comic relief and you just put that together and the fact that they were um you know, completely left alone over the summer and just that, see, I love your head cannon where he's been working with them for, you know, since the very beginning, like he, he went, you know, the Jerry Maguire, he left their yeah. original dealership and just, he would follow them anywhere. Like that has kind of become my head cannon now. Like before it was kind of like, Oh, he's been working there maybe five or 10 years. And, um, and really it was this summer that they were forced to work together all the time when Daniel was off doing his karate thing that they kind of really found this bond. But I do, I love that backstory now of, um, you know, he's been around since the very beginning and, um, has always loved her and admired her and, and him too. Like almost it was, she, he, he followed them both, you know, Danny and Mandy, they just had this magnetic draw for him. And then, you know. yeah, I, when I wrote that, uh, in the midlife that he had been there since the beginning, at first I didn't really like it. I was like, Oh, you know, why people don't stay in jobs that long anymore. And he probably would have gone to college or something instead, but you know, it's the Valley. It's <laughs> yeah. So I, La Russo and, and Amush is common. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I feel like since you mentioned kind of things sort of picked up in the La Russo world where you came back and did the Backyard series. and Yeah, yeah, yeah I, definitely, I definitely 
definitely have my dry spells, definitely. Like, definitely when the quarantine first started and the whole at-home schooling kicked in, that was definitely like, ugh, it definitely went down the drain. And now I'm feeling a real dry spell. I don't know if it's the... I haven't written anything new since the Netflix transition. I've felt really burnt out from that. I don't know what it is. Like all the, Me too. All the new people coming in, I really don't. There's, there's some good that's coming from it, but I feel like it's just a lot of people who just take the same cliched hot takes about Daniel's a bully, um, Amanda's annoying, or I don't know, like they, like these um, hive minded bros had just have, have jumped in with the same old, um, there's really nothing fresh that anyone has come up with yet. Yeah. It's interesting seeing all these new fans come in and they're just like playing catch up and you're like, or, you know, it's like all the same shit. And we're just kind of having to like, wait through with these newbies until season three comes out and we're like and then obviously you know all the hot takes coming down the the pipe of oh another show surrounding two white guys and it's like well i mean they could have changed them to different (laughs) nationalities but it just wouldn't make sense like it's a very diverse show. There's lots of different, you know, people represented. And yeah, okay, the two main guys are white, but I mean, it's like... I, I think they're doing what they can and, and while still maintaining the integrity of the story, like, you've got to do it in a way that makes sense. You can't just, like, shoehorn in diversity for diversity's sake, because that does a disservice to the people you're trying to represent, to Like, yeah. you know, it just has to make sense. But they, um, yeah, but it is nice, you know, to see, uh, especially like Johnny's attitudes change, like towards Miguel, you know, he's like calling him like Menudo in the the beginning. And And that's what a lot of people are are still missing, that character growth with Johnny. They're like, Johnny's so cool. He's not PC. He says what's on his mind. And they, they, they don't understand that. It's not that it's it's Johnny's journey to becoming more woke or whatever you want to call it. It's just he's just I don't know how to describe it, but it's not that. He's still the same character. He still has that edge, but yet it's like like in the moments in season 2 where he says, you know, yeah, whatever. Chris calls him the Mexican. Oh, that Mexican. Yeah. And he's like he's from Ecuador. Like those little things like that. It's not it's not He's not going to go on this diatribe, like this woke diatribe, but he has those little things which show that he's changing. He's connecting, you know, yeah. with the other human beings. That Because he's like at the beginning of season one, he's just kind of, he's living alone in an apartment. He doesn't have a, a relationship with anybody. Uh, he just has a job that he hates and he hates his stepdad. So he's got a lot of anger. And when you do that, you treat people like you know, not like full human beings. And he's really got a relationship with Miguel now. So he knows who he is as a human being. Right. But yeah, you're right. It's not like if they had tried to have Johnny give Cree some like weird progressive lecture, like it it wouldn't have made any sense. It would be weird. But he says exactly what he needs to say, which is that Miguel's from Ecuador, which says way more than a lecture is going to say. It says this is a human being that I care about. And that I know certain things about and uh, I don't want you treating him like that, you know. Exactly. And I think that's what a lot of the bros are still missing. They, um, you know, they're, they just wanted to watch a show about Johnny kicking ass and never having any real conflict. You know, oh, oh Daniel's going to be in this? Like, it wouldn't make any sense if it was just Johnny. It would just be like one of those, you know, it would have been the 
the um, Saved by the Bell spinoff where it was just Mr. Belding and Screech. Like, that wouldn't make any sense if it was just Johnny. No. And no Daniel. And, you know, I, I really hate all the Daniel hate that comes through. And it's, you know, I know he can be a dick. <laughs> he can. I know yeah. that. Like, we put it in our fix that he's being one. But it's... um. Yeah, they're just still missing the point with that whole non-PC. And that's why I like how the companions have really... People ask them the same interview questions over and over again. It's been nice to hear, you know, Peter and Brianna ask them some different things that's not always based on the Johnny being a old-fashioned guy, a good old boy, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, but, just kind of yeah. stuck in the 80s. Yeah, those guys do an amazing job. And that the the Facebook group uh is just such a oasis from um all the short-sighted hot takes like Oh, I know. You know. Yeah, the Daniel hate is like pretty I mean, it's like we start in Johnny's shoes, so of and the whole point of the show is to complicate your assumptions about these characters because, you know, it's just like upsetting the previous standard that Daniel is a hero and Danny uh, and Johnny's the bad guy okay. so it's like they're just humanizing them and people are so dumb like it's like that's the whole fucking point and I'm sure we'll see in season three both characters uh rectify some mistakes and but yeah people who are just like Johnny you know I don't know they just don't give Daniel a chance it's like well he's a, also a family man and he's he's just not as exciting sometimes as Johnny um what was it somebody had someone from fox news had a hot take about it they said um and and there are certain things i agree there there is a certain magic in season one that was sort of hard to recreate in season two especially um Mm, and sue sees it touched on this with the introduction of crease sort of i mean for a show that was very much about the gray areas bringing on this villainous sort of guy that yeah he's He's more humanized that that in this time around, but yet at the same time, it's still, I don't know, Crease just sort of kind of threw something in that just sort of, just sort of changed season two for me. And I, I agree with that. But yeah. whatever this, what was it? Ben Shapiro, I think it was. He said mm-hmm. in season two, mm-hmm. they um, took Johnny out of the center of the action. And I'm like, I don't really think that happened at all. Not at all. Like there was a whole episode, you know, the whole road trip episode was almost kind of like Sopranos ish in that it just focused on mainly Johnny. And then um, what did it say? Oh, it said, and they're trying to turn Daniel into Mr. Miyagi. And I said, it wasn't the whole point was that he was failing at being Mr. Miyagi. Like it was kind of like totally. he had a point here. Here and there that you know the first season sort of had that real magic about it in the second season i mean every second season of every show kind of you know has growing pains they're adding these new characters and um well yes second seasons are weird you're expanding you know it's it's like if you liked johnny in season one and he was kind of as much as their co-leads it was sort of more of Johnny's growth in that season or his arc. Yeah. Uh and but season 2 is like you're you're expanding the world out and you have two storylines kind of of Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai so by nature it you know Johnny's not the star it's Johnny and Daniel. So you've got a balance between those two characters and on their own different paths and yeah, it doesn't. If you wanted just the show to be about Johnny, like, I mean, you can make that show, but the the story is about both of them. Uh, Thirty years later, and dealing with all this 
stuff. And yeah, I'm super excited about season three. I feel like on on you and Susie's point about Crease and sort of being cartoonish, like I'm hoping we get some backstory and some some Vietnam kind of Cobra Kai stuff. Yeah, that- I mean that'll be good. And it's like you know, Bree has said before, yeah, they made him human. He's obviously still a bad human, and that's true. It really is. But I mean. I don't know. He does add something a little bit different to the mix just because there's so much of that gray area. So then you get this guy that's pretty much mostly bad and that sort of. Oh, yeah. uh, He's pretty sinister. (laughs) No. Yeah. Even if he's kind of funny sometimes, he's he's clearly set as the bad guy and kind of even if Johnny doesn't know it early on. The audience knows it, and we're like, oh, this guy's bad news. Yeah, when he takes up the trophy in the first episode, it's like, no! Yeah, yeah, where he kind of like, Johnny, you know, is about to kick him out, and then he pulls him back inside, and Chris has this little, like, triumphant look that only we can see, but Johnny can't see, where he knows, like, ooh, I won this round. You know, I fooled him. And I think what annoys me about season two also is just that the no one seems to know what the hell Daniel, you know, is talking about. Like even Sam and Amanda the whole time, they're like, what? What do you, John Kreese, like they don't even know what the hell is going on. And it's like, and they don't even seem to know about the ice breaking. It's like you, okay, I know that there was a lot of trauma in Karate Kid too, but you don't think he told anybody about breaking the ice <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yes, you know, at the valley scene, and I'm kind of like, uh, I like, they really, I feel like they need to really deepen that connection with um, Sam and Mr. Miyagi next season. It's like, you made him die in 2011 so that they could, you know, Amanda and and Sam could be um, more established with him. So do it, use it, you know what I mean? I feel like they kind of, that's sort of a, a wasted resource a lot of the time that would I think make people connect with Sam more that hate Sam and feel like she's you know a villain in her own right but um mm-hmm. I feel like if they just expand upon that and almost like people have had head cannons on Tumblr where she called him Gigi like that was like her grandfather and stuff and I feel like if they mine into that it'll be so good for Sam as a character and the and the sort of disconnect people feel from her as sort of you know, a spoiled kid that just sort of, I don't know. I think they Plays could have done it harder on that. Yeah. Like they, they touched on it when she was, when she gave, you know, she told Miguel that she knew about the metal and, you know, it was very important to me and my family. And it was kind of like, all right, now we're touching on this, like Sam, Mr. Miyagi um, connection. I really want to see more of that. I hope they really find that for all it's worth. And even Amanda, I mean, I just I don't like when they act like that. That part of his life was Daniel's life was so separate that no one even knew what was going on. It's just I don't know. Like obviously yeah. he didn't tell her about Karate Kid three, but didn't he? Did he tell her some aspects of two, like something? And he obviously has been back there more than once. So I don't just I just hope that it's not that she's just completely clueless and you know. Yeah, they yeah the the other have to. I mean the the thing to remember is that we are only in season two of what the writers hope to be six seasons. Yeah. I think so. There is tons of time for that, but, but yeah, you're right. They either have to explain, I, I hope they do it in season three or season, you know, season three, four, and just, uh, that we are aware as an audience that it is kind of strange that Daniel's family doesn't seem to, um, 
understand him and uh, his real the real joy that comes from karate so either explain why that is or um you know fill us in on some stuff i mean yeah i can i always thought it it would be interesting if he hadn't really told amanda about karate kid part three and being cobra kai and stuff like that i'm fine with he hasn't really gone into it but i mean yeah obviously you know the whole death match thing in um in two is painful but i mean i don't know i just I'm not sure how much he would hold back as far as traumatic sort of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you yeah. told him about when he broke the ice in the bar. <laughs> like, yeah. Something traumatic about yeah. that. I mean. Clearly, clearly he's told them many times about how he's pushed down a uh, mountain or a cliff, you know, with the bike. Uh, and-, and I'm definitely, I'm definitely on board the, you know, Chosen is a good guy. Because otherwise it would just be, it's, it's more interesting with Chosen has sort of reformed himself. And he's kind of putting Daniel through this boot camp of a, we don't really know what he's doing, you know, although of, um, on Companion, they had said that those, I honestly didn't realize that those were two separate, completely separate things, like with the sigh that's happening at Miyagi-Do, and then whatever's happening with Chosen is obviously at Chosen's house or Chosen's training space or something like that. But, um... Oh, so that's a... That's a scene cut from when... Yeah, it's not the same scene. Because if you look in, um... When he's picking up the sigh in what appears to be Daniel's hand... It's a wooden floor, and um, when the Sai gets stabbed into the tatami, it's a wooden wall, which is only at Miyagi-Do. If you look at um, Chosen's walls, they're white. So it oh, almost like tricked it. us with two separate scenes. And something something happens at Miyagi-Do um, early on, I would think, maybe. Although, who knows? I mean, out of context, you really have no idea what's going on. But Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, there's Kreese Kai, you know, Kreese is Cobra Kai, and they probably feel the need for vengeance for Miguel and... I don't know. I'm excited. I feel like there's a lot up in the air. and um, I know. I can't wait. I hope it's early 2021. I know. January 1st. <laughs> yes. Um. Let's see here. I don't know if we have too much time to like dig into Razzle Dazzle, but I wanted to say I loved Razzle Dazzle. Oh. I just thought it was really well done. You know what's funny? That one really was just going to be just something. Just It was really meant to be more... Just something silly and frisky and fun, but then it just sort of, it grew into a much longer one shot than I thought it was going to be. And there were a lot of things that I was going to cut. I'm like, we don't need the kids in this. It's basically a story about Daniel. It's, he's sort of having solo time and... Yes, after Valley Fest, Daniel needs to blow off some steam in the uh, the hot tub or the jacuzzi tub outside. But um, yeah, so which could be a totally simple, self indulgent, like uninteresting um, sort of p- porn, I guess. You, but it's not. Uh, it's not. And uh, the um, just the sort of sad car ride home. I think using Amanda in the car and the kids, and everyone's kind of like feeling for daniel who's just sort of crushed by this valley fest disappointment yeah worked really well and it gives you the feels for sure but it's one of my favorites i thought you just uh, the the writing is so good and it's fun and um 
anyway, it's uh, it's great. Check out Razzle Dazzle because that's your latest, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, that's the last one I've been able to put out there just because after this whole Netflix thing, I've just been sort of in a uh, dead zone. But yeah. Yep. Me too. Um, I was trying to uh, just like uh, Dana Dude and then um, on Michael Rosenbaum's pausing podcast inside of you they always do some quick questions at the end so i tried to make some up i don't i feel like we covered some of this but here are my um you can answer long form or or real short if you want um so some of these i know the answer to but who would you say is your current uh pairing obsession or who are who are you most uh inspired by as like a romantic pairing in fan fiction definitely la russo at this point and that's you know for a while I was really into my rare pair, but then once that sort of revival of La Russo started taking place, it was, it's definitely been all about them. <laughs> you get, you got pulled back in. Yeah. I was like, come on back, hey. Liberty Fest. Um, the uh, pairing that you feel guilty neglecting or an old pairing that you miss. Yeah, I guess that would be a moosh. Um, but then again, I do feel a little guilty about Daniel and Amanda and Daniel and Kumiko in my abandoned fanfic.net story. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I remember after um, after season one, I I didn't really know of any place to go to talk about Cobra Kai, so I went to Reddit, and of course that has its own problems. And um, I didn't realize that people didn't talk about fanfic over there. And like I posted a link to oh, my geez. story, and somebody they actually they deleted it i guess it's it was on my you could see it if you clicked on my name but they wrote literally no one cares <laughs> god damn dude there was some good kumiko uh kumiko energy over there on reddit for a while and people were thinking you know season two karate kid two and we i don't know we thought maybe it would be <laughs> sort of like that but yeah. yeah, I feel I I haven't read anything Daniel Kumiko like adult Dan, Daniel Kumiko, and I don't really know where it would go. And and once again, obviously Amanda is a problem, and right, I don't know. I would like to see something to do with that, but obviously a moosh. I have to I have to finish Little Earthquakes too. But um, who's your favorite Karate Kid or Cobra Kai character to write? Oh, it's definitely a a dead heat between Daniel and Johnny. It depends on what sort of mood I'm in. Sometimes I really, you know, I really get into Daniel's skin a lot better in his sort of anal retentiveness and uh, yeah. uh, just dorkiness. But it's, I think, I think Johnny is really fun to write, especially like those Miguel scenes or um, just the banter back and forth with, uh, with Daniel Yes, and for uh, just real quick, yeah, the um, banter between Johnny and Miguel, you do a great job of that in that second chapter of Foreigner. With the they're watching Star Wars on the couch. That's you guys got to check that out. It's one of my favorites. It's so funny. I kind of see uh, them more as, as like brothers a lot of the time. I feel like, um, especially like yeah. in season two when when um, Miguel has a little more of an attitude, he he's still respectful of his sensei, but he's you know he gets his digs into. <laughs> Yeah, and you know they're both having like um, problems with their respective Larusos, La which is fun. So in that scene when they're in Foreigner, when they're on the couch, like there's there's something about um, uh, oh Johnny talking about maybe a stuffed animal that he gave to Allie, and then an uh, Ewok. Yeah, he he gave her an Ewok, and it turned it turned her on to hairy giant eyed freaks or something like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So he's like compared to the Ewok to like, uh, All right, Daniel. Three, Return of the Jedi. They totally went and saw that. And um uh what do you call it? And then it's sort of uh, I, I I really enjoyed doing Johnny's take on the Star Wars prequels. Like they're just totally unnecessary. You just imagine it in your head. Yeah, he's Darth Vader. It happened. You know, you don't have to go back and actually show Three movies oh my god! That. that whole you guys have to read that Star Wars scene. It's so funny, it's so good. And when I when I put the picture of just the big trash compactor, I'm like, that's basically the the setting of the story. Like in in Johnny's mind, he's just sort of stewing in this trash. <laughs> <laughs> where he sort of almost, you know, he just won't stop talking about Daniel almost to the point where uh, Miguel is just getting annoyed. Like, you know, I thought you said he was uh, Vader and now he's Luke. And then it's like, um, you know, the the creature in the in the trash is who's that oh is that LaRusso too no no that's that's me <laughs> oh my god I just I know we're in these rapid fire questions but um I have to read that real fast okay so yeah they're on the couch um uh let's see so Johnny's talking about the uh the trash guy and he's wait 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 DS know what that thing reminds me of let me guess LaRusso Miguel groaned uh no no johnny stammered indignant it's cobra kai oh it's us right we nest in liquid garbage is what you're saying damn this is johnny answering and he's drunk by the way <laughs> damn straight and watch what we're gonna do to larusso he said as the creature dragged luke under the surface of the murky water pull him under squeeze him <laughs> I have this thing for underwater what? scenes in case you haven't noticed. There's always somebody like going underwater in my stories. It's I don't know what it is. Oh my god. Whether it's in so the tub or like Daniel's Terry Silver is just straight up drowning him in a kiddie pool or something. Oh yeah, there's so much Daniel Wump and involving water. Uh, oh my god. Um yeah, so yeah, Johnny's saying <laughs> pull him under and squeeze him, play with him a little. <laughs> Feel that scrappy heart going a mile a minute. Watch his eyes plead. Maybe a little bite. <laughs> and then Miguel looks over. Sensei, should I be worried about you? What? You don't like my director's commentary? You're such a girl. Don't talk during the movie. He said in a squawky voice. Don't bogo out the popcorn. Don't fly LaRusso's drawers on the flagpole. That was a thing when you were in school? Uh, that was the best thing. If you can't stand someone, why would you want to touch their underwear? Sensei never formulated an answer for that and was asleep in a few minutes to Miguel's guilty relief. There was a whole other dimension to the story, that was for sure. A galaxy far, far away. Oh, it's so perfect. It's so good. I hope I that wasn't spoiling it. I the that they flew Daniel's underwear on the flagpole at some oh, point during that. That, that school year. I don't know. Maybe not after – sometime before the tournament. But then it also got me thinking about, you know, um, Aisha and Yasmin. It's like, really, if you hate someone, why would you reach in their pants? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that whole – yeah. Yeah, there could – there could definitely be some Yasmin Aisha uh, shipping going on there too, but I yeah, I would I would like to write. That's maybe one of these questions. Let's see. Uh, favorite minor character in the show uh, or fanfic? Let's see. Yeah, they, I guess that you would either want to read about or write about. I was just about to say it'd be kind of fun to write Yasmin, but yeah, a minor <laughs> character that you'd like to read more or write more about. 
it would definitely be great to see someone else do Anoush, you know, in the fandom. We'll have to wait and see if, if another Anoush uh, fan surfaces. Definitely him. Even Louis. Like, I love, um, you know, the, the Louis stuff you have in your um, – in the book of Job, you know, kind of expanding on him a little bit, like, Oh, my cousin treated you like crap. Like <laughs> he's, an he's such a big dummy. And, I love it. Like sweet, sensitive Louie and, and looking at Louie and seeing the resemblance to Daniel just, Oh yeah. Like more Louie, more, um, I don't know. I, I am really more partial to the adult characters, more Amanda, um, Carmen, Yaya, all of, it's all adult. Oh my God, like, Rosa. I, I do love the teenagers, but with me, I just kind of see them as shipping peanuts where it's like, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, dad, you know, what's going on with you and Mr. LaRusso? You know, or, um, <laughs> yeah, dad, we kind of knew, like, uh, we, yeah. kinda, we don't really put much conflict there in our fix. It's like the kids, the, the, the Zoomers are just so accepting. They're like, yeah, they're, you know, they're together. You know, they're happy. <laughs> I know. I know some people have had uh, the young characters sometimes have problems because it would be kind of traumatic, but I really do kind of like gloss over that. I'm like, ah, Sam already knew or yeah. Robbie's not that surprised. Uh, oh, yeah. I definitely <laughs> do the the Robbie angle in, um, you know, especially in Foreigner where he's even like trying to, uh, you know, go the whole thing on with the fake marriage. Oh, you, you guys are very um, – your, your public displays of affection, you know, leave somewhat to be desired. And, you know, Luann is like, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was so funny. He he ends up calling Daniel Babo. He just makes that up. I love that view of... Little shit Robbie. Give me little shit Robbie. Like, he can be he can be the goody two-shoes now, but just give me the, the little shit in there, too. Like, I mean, I feel like we got that a little bit here and there. But, oh, I just, I love computer store Robbie, you know, that charming smile. Oh, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, just that he can just talk his way out of anything or sort of make up any crazy story. <laughs> yeah, I hope they keep that. You're right. Like, even though he's becoming, you know, under Daniel's influence, he's making better choices. But I love that, that still that maybe that uh, part of him that will stick around where he's just... He's a little con artist, you know, and he's good at it. And he's, I love that. Um, if you could write a single character outsider point of view for your OTP or your one true pairing. Like for if, if I did a first person point of view, you mean? Or No, sorry. Just like one character from their perspective, but like an outsider oh, point of view. Oh, an outsider. Um, I feel like we all <laughs> We all kind of throw that in either from the kid's perspective or, um, you know, like Anusha's perspective, like, you know, does the whole world disappear when you two get into it? I kind of throw that in where I can, you know, the other characters yeah. or, um, you know, Robbie and Sam just sort of looking at each other when, um, you know, <laughs> when Johnny shows up at Miyagi, they're like, yeah, I'm just, just going to take a dump and leave. And they're just kind of like, what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, just, I try to put in those other characters perspectives but if i had to write just one fic from one person's perspective about them oh i don't know maybe um maybe carmen or amanda maybe yeah i don't know that would be tough carmen would be fun yeah i want to do like a scene with 
I would like to do one with like uh, Lucille or something. Like maybe they're visiting her or something. Oh, I've wanted to do Lucille. I've had this sort of Lucille. I remember I told you about that Lucille story I had on the back burner where she hmm. she sort of has a soft spot for Johnny because of the trophy incident, and she she calls him Trophy Boy, and she yeah. um, you know, she's like, what? Who does that? Like he was crying. <laughs> Yes. The, the guy with the trophy almost looked scared when he took it from him like he was going to hit him or something. And then he was like, <laughs> he gave it to him and he's crying and it was real tears. Yeah. Oh, God, I love Lucille. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're you're Lucille, by the way, in Misgivings. I didn't get a really chance to talk about that, but um, you're Lucille in Misgivings is hilarious. I love you. You do her voice really well. She used a lot on my um definitely because, you know, the same generation and all that, you know, and my mom is, you know, she's got the it's Rhode Island accent, but she's, I mean, God, when I tell her I'm on a podcast, she'll probably be like, Deb, I don't understand this whole thing with you and the karate kid. You didn't have like one Ralph Macchio poster growing <laughs> up. It was all wrestling. It was like, you know, George, the animal steel eating the turnbuckle. Like, what is this thing now with Ralph Macchio? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think she ever expected me to be like a Cobra Kai person because I, it's true. Like Karate Kid wasn't like a huge thing when I was a kid. I saw them. I saw all of them, rented them all from the video store, but it wasn't, um, yeah, she definitely wouldn't peg me as being on a podcast about, uh, you know, <laughs> Karate Kid characters growing up. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome that your mom kind of is your, helps helps you with your Lucille voice. Oh yeah, definitely with those and just the weird nicknames for people, you know, every one of her neighbors she has a lawnmower man and all this stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see. Uh your favorite original character you've written no matter how small. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I was thinking no, 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 not I was thinking of Lafayette Louis comes to mind first, but I think um, I also like Anusha's mom, um, Sarah Nuruzi. I enjoy her too. She's sort of like the overbearing Persian mom who just comes in and starts, you know, licking her finger and wiping his face. And <laughs> <laughs> that was really sweet in that, Scott, you know, and. Um, yeah, I, I, I do love Luann, and I although she's a little tropey, I do I love her. But I think, um, uh, and I wrote I wrote more Vita in my um, abandoned uh, Danush fic, where she's she's definitely like, um, you know, she's definitely in Anusha's corner and definitely a big support for him and all of that. So I I enjoy them, even though they're just sort of they're not really in anything like too much except a little bit in misgivings but they're sort of always in my mind as you know as my ocs yeah she's so great in misgivings in that in that hospital scene <laughs> and she's got some smoke inhalation and yeah she comes in with the finger looking <laughs> it's so sweet um name a karate kid a cobra kai fan fiction author that you love to read Oh, oh God! There's so many. Obviously, you, Lost Magician, um, Lady Disdain, MP. Oh, yeah. I probably name. shouldn't write that question because we're all so close. I mean, and yeah. everyone's putting out good stuff. Um, yeah. I guess my last question is: um, 
uh, I know you said it's been kind of tough right now, but do you have anything you're kind of chipping away at or any projects that you're thinking about starting? Uh, you know what? I, I honestly, I've been kind of like spitballing um, some things to a Brianna once in a while because I've been really wanting to write something wumpy again. And that, um, that obviously Daniel season three teaser definitely was like, oh, what the, what's going on here? And then um, yeah. I'm like, I want to, you know, I want him to get stabbed with the sigh. And um, and Brianna's like, okay, yes, I'm listening. Yes. <laughs> but the sad part is, though, I, you know, I, I wrote back to her one day and I was like, I have, I found something terrible. A sigh isn't sharp. It's, it's blunt. It's not sharp. So like that little, oh. you know, the little one I had for, you know, Raphael, as a kid was a lie. Like they're not sharp. It wasn't like a little trident. It's, it's like a blunt object and it's really meant more for like disarming someone of a sword or some other kind of weapon. It's really, you really can't stab someone with it. It's like, I don't know. It's blunt. So damn it. So she's like, Oh no. And so we're like, Oh no, no, no. And, um, and she's like, well, Cobra Kai doesn't exactly play by the rules and they might sharpen it. <laughs> there you go. Honestly, I've been sort of, I've just been stuck on, um, it's a hard balance liking the wumpy stuff too, because it's hard to integrate the humor in that, I feel like, or keep yeah. the realism. And as much as I, I enjoyed writing the rules and just, let's just straight up torture Daniel and, you know, have Terry and Crease and who cares how, you know, uh, far-fetched it is they just kidnap him right off of the pole yeah. curve that <laughs> <laughs> was pretty great <laughs> just like van rolls there, up i just i just knew the injuries i wanted to inflict on daniel and it's hard to to build a story around that and keep the humor and the, the tone is is definitely hard and that's it's definitely like a curse liking the wumpy stuff once in a while when you're into more humor writing because it's like it's hard to to do that balance but um yes. I feel like there's definitely a shortage of Johnny. We need some more hurt Johnny. I'm always, I feel like I'm always hurting Daniel. You know, he's got, he's got a heat stroke. He's, <laughs> he's just, I don't know. And I always see Daniel. I love the, the idea of, you know, poor Johnny being thrown into Mr. Miyagi's role of the, the caretaker and the tea maker and the, you know, all of that stuff. But, um, I don't know. I need some, I need some hurt Johnny and some Daniel. Yeah. And I'm like, what can I do? And, um, and, um, I don't know. I just haven't really thought of what to do with Johnny and that thing. I did. I started something where, um, it was sort of this emotional thing where Johnny was missing crease after he threw him out and he was kind of just sitting at his desk and, and imagining this, um, fantasy crease that you know coyote uh coyote ugly what is it called coyote creek is just a oh yes you know it's not about taking out your friends and you know and um i kind of tried to work into my mind you know what was coyote creek like back in the 80s and i pictured you know dutch pushing jimmy and you know someone pushed you know cracks um whatever Bobby's head against a, a rock to get his headband or something like that. And I was trying to kind of go into the, do like the angsty crease and Johnny relationship. And it was just, I don't know. It's, it's still sitting in the Google docs, but it's, I don't know. And I was going to have, um, 
I was going to have Chris tie him up and throw him in the pool to do that little exercise. Like, remember this? Obviously, I love the water scenes, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had to learn it from somebody. And yeah, that it is compelling to think like what a pure Crease Coyote Creek would be like. Just to, And in the 80s was, you know, nobody knows. There's, I don't know. People weren't protective of the kids like they were. So no. he could pretty much uh, do whatever the fuck he wanted out there. <laughs> And I tell my kids all the time, like, you, if you had had my teachers, I don't know what you would have done. Like, God, my middle school teachers, you know, we'd be on a whaling, whale watching trip and they'd be taking pictures of kids puking off the side of the boat and going, oh, this one's <laughs> going in the yearbook. <laughs> like, I'm like, you kids would not have survived my teachers. And I can honestly, yeah, I, God, Crease must have been so <laughs> messed up in the 80s with this. Their parents had no idea what he was doing to these poor kids. Oh my god! And, well, yeah. Any um, I'll have to try and help you think about the uh, the Johnny Wump stuff. Lots of potential there. D- Daniel's such a protector too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I love um. Oh, I I forgot to mention also Narcissa. That's another one I, I'm loving right now. You know the Johnny and the love languages and the the sort of wumpy story she did where you know Daniel shows up. As uh, Crease is, you know, kicking Johnny's ass in, in present day again and, you know, throwing him into the glass and poor Daniel's like picking the glass out of his nose with the tweezers with his with his reading glasses. <laughs> the glasses one. That's right. It's oh, great. Glasses. Oh, my God. They got to work him into the show somehow. Yes, they do. And the little bit of gray from the um, some of the Zoom meetings. Oh, that's another thing. I had gone through the plot bunnies. Um, I was like, I'll just go through the La Russo bunnies uh, heading in Discord. And I found something. It was like the Northridge, the Northridge earthquake in 94. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. But I didn't I wanted to do it just sort of flashing back to it. And I'm like, what happened to Johnny? And, you know, Johnny may have been living in like a tent city, in, you know, because he didn't want to move back in with Sid and this and that. And I was kind of thinking of that and then throwing in and, you know, they're talking and then there's another earthquake. And then I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. They both could have been in Reseda at that time, you know. Or- yeah, and that was like the epicenter. Of when I saw that, I was like, ooh, <laughs> Reseda was the epicenter of the earthquake. I was so excited, like, yay. And then, of course, it just ended up with a tangent, like, you know, what was the New Year's Rockin' Eve uh, lineup in 1994? <laughs> <laughs> Research the Okay. And then I'm like, this is it. And I just ended up wasting time and not actually writing it but yeah these are all things that are just sort of stagnating in the whips but yeah we'll see i feel like we'll we'll get back there season you know we're worst case when season three comes out you know it would suck to not write before then but that'll that'll be really exciting and there'll be new material to work with and- oh i know <sighs> Even just the trailers, because I remember we would kind of um, springboard off of things in the, like, the Cruel Summer trailer, like the the Johnny, Crease, and Daniel scene outside of the thing. Like, people were like, what if something gay happens, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's what I have to tell you. The funniest thing is my husband, when he took the kids to my mother-in-law's to, like, leave the house so I could have my podcast time, he told my mother-in-law that I was going on a podcast called gay love stories <laughs> she's sort mean, of like oh like she wouldn't she wouldn't <laughs> dare ask she wouldn't say anything about it she's not that type like that's my mom my mom would be like now what is this about what 
you. <laughs> Ralph Macchio, 60 years old, taking his pants off? Like, what? What are you writing about? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, do you know how gray their pubic hairs must be? Like, oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you describe that? Like, yeah, my mom is like the the mother-in-law type who's like, now, what is this? <laughs> but my mother's like, can you love her? He's hey, you're great. <laughs> Oh, it's so hard to explain to people. Like, and my boyfriend is awesome, and he tries to be really, and he is really supportive. But he'll try and sort of like explain what I'm doing to like uh, his parents when we go over there, and like what fan fiction is. And he doesn't mention like that anything's gay about it or really romance of any kind. But he's just, you know, because he's like, you know, one, he's proud of me, and you know, for pursuing a passion or whatever. But I feel bad. I'm, I'm kind of like weird about it. Like, it'll be like, yeah. So it's, uh, she writes fan fiction. Um, yeah. Tell, tell them about your fan fiction, Sarah. (laughs) It's just like, well, I know. Yeah. I I wore this shirt. They kind of go, Oh, that's nice. Um, went out with my sister and I wore this shirt and she was like, what is that? Like older sisters are the worst. They think that everything you do is just so dumb. And you know, they just look at you and see a little (laughs) baby bonnet on your head and they think everything you do is so stupid. And I tried to explain it, and I'm like, so you see, you know, all of the, you know, I'm going to hit you stuff in Karate Kid is just repressed attraction. And she's like, oh, my God. (laughs) She was not feeling it. She's like, that is something I never would have thought in my life. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of see it or you don't, man. Yeah, well, that's okay. Well, we see our hash, hash brown law research shirts, and we understand. I just can't wait for someone yeah. in public to be like, ah, it hasn't happened yet. But <laughs> what is that? that would be odd having a little muffled conversation in our masks, like yeah, yeah. But no, no one has no one has pointed me out in public yet, being like, hey. Well, um, uh, let me see. Let's. We'll probably just do something where we both say, like, goodbye. <laughs> I'll just, like... Yeah, thank you for having me on. This is... God, there's definitely a niche for this that needed to be filled for <laughs> serious, yeah. serious fan fiction podcasts, definitely. Um, and, you know, I'm glad we had a little... I'm Honestly, I feel a little tipsy right now because I realized I didn't have lunch. So I've just been... I drank, like, yeah, half of this, and now I'm kind of like... And you know what? I'm glad we did. It would be weird, you know, if it wasn't the actual logo being, you know, uh, cocktails. Yes, I do. That was what I'm trying to do here. Live up to my logo because I kept, I had that in mind the whole time. I was like, I want this to be like a cocktail thing too. And then I kept forgetting and then not telling people. And I was like, fuck. Well, we'll let you get some lunch. But um, yes, thank you for talking. Oh, thank uh, you. To me. This has been so yeah. much fun just talking about these things out loud. <laughs> yeah, I know we never get to talk about them, so that's what that's what this is all about. It's really just like an audience of like only us as fan fiction writers. So it's probably like, you know an audience of five, but it's it's good fun for us five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Bye.